All right, everyone. Before we start today, I want to give a shout out to all the Patreon members as usual. Um, these are the people that help uh, financially support the show so we can con continue to let it go and grow. Um, and uh, I, it means more than anything to me that these people decided to uh, come out of pocket to uh, contribute. Uh, it ain't free to make this stuff, um, even though it's free for you to listen to it. Uh, so these people choose to support it, and uh, it means the world to me. Uh, there's, If you're interested in checking it out, go to patreon.com slash bigtruth. Uh, there's four different levels of support that you can uh, engage in, and uh, they all come with their own little unique features and benefits and uh, things of that nature. So check it out, patreon.com slash big truth now if you need motorcycle parts and you have uh you know whether it's a stock bike or a cafe racer or a chopper or a desert sled whatever it is you need you need to check out old bike bond at oldbikebond.com or on instagram at oldbikebond and that's bond b-a-r-n excuse the boston accent sometimes i i, I can't can't turn it down and then i realize that uh 90 of the country can't understand what i'm saying half the time but yeah oldbikebarn.com uh especially if you got an old japanese bike they got some of the rare stuff that uh not a lot of people have uh for your old S xs 650 or so cb 500 or whatever uh so check them out oldbikebarn.com um if you have issues with sleeping or um, inflammation or anxiety and you've been interested in checking out CBD oil but you don't want to get some garbage at the bodega you need to check out Crater Lake Clear at craterlakeclear.com um, just go to their website and they show you the whole process of how their uh, organic CBD is made and uh, and it's 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 high quality uh, high tested vetted stuff check them out craterlakeclear.com um, if you uh look like you are if you if your dingus looks like it's a stand-in or like doing some 70s porn cosplay you need to check out manscaped at manscaped.com they got a ball and uh you know genital area razor called the lawnmower three uh, oh actually they're on the 4.0 i'm sorry it's lawnmower 4.0 they got these special ceramic blades so it keeps everything nice and clean down there with no nicks or skate or scrapes or cuts um and if you use the promo code big truth at checkout you get 20 percent off your order and free shipping so check them out, manscaped.com. They got all kinds of uh, men's grooming products. Uh, manscaped.com. Use the promo code BIGTRUTH at checkout. You get 20% off your order. And lest I forget, if you use the promo code BIGTRUTH at Crater Lake Clear, you get 20% off your order there. So make sure you use that. Now, if you find yourself in the unfortunate situation uh, where you've been in a motorcycle accident, you 100% need to get in touch with Law Tigers at lawtigers.com. Uh, they are motorcycle um related injury law firm that was founded by riders for riders and all they do is motorcycle injury cases um and they have offices nationwide so check them out lawtigers.com or if you go on uh, facebook and type in law tigers plus your state uh you can get in touch with one of the the local offices that way so if you live in minnesota type in law tigers minnesota and you get the minnesota office if you live in massachusetts type in law tigers massachusetts you get that you understand where we're going with that um if you uh, are looking for some new clothing, check out Amerta at amertamia.com. I'm going to spell that because it might not be evident to you if you're, unless you're of Italian lineage, you know, and you know about the code of silence. O-M-E-R-T-A-M-I-A.com or on Instagram and all the social medias at Amertamia. Um, they got whatever you need, hoodies, T-shirts, freaking, uh, you know, I, it's 
fall's coming here, so you might need a you might need a, a, a jacket or a scarf, socks, whatever it is. Uh, check them out, amirthamia.com, the most legit and real streetwear brand there is out there. Um, use the promo code Big Truth at checkout there. Get twenty percent off as well, saving you twenty percent everywhere, man. Just uh, just call me Mister Twenty Percent. Now, if you're into weird shit like the occult or like, uh, you know, serial killers or uh, just you got a little dark side to you, but you're also into motorcycles and choppers and uh, custom vans and, you know, boogie vans and, uh, you know, things like that. You know, maybe you like some stone or doom rock and psychedelics and shit like that. You need to check out Heavy at heavy.bigcartel.com, uh, streetwear brand. Uh, and they got, and also purveyor of nefarious wares uh, by my man Zach Doom. Check him out, heavy.bigcartel.com or on Instagram at Heavy Clothing. And uh, if you want more information, if you're in a motorcycling and riding or building custom bikes anything of that nature you need to check out chop cult the uh biggest uh information clearinghouse out there for motorcycle related news and uh biggest online message board system uh for for that you go on you can check out you know whatever topic you're interested in say you only want to look about stuff about british bikes you can find a british bike forum if you want american choppers or whatever whatever it is it's that i guarantee they got it they got a forum for it also they got an online swap meet where you can buy sell and trade pots and they also got a events an events page where you can find out about motorcycle related events all across the world uh broken up by state region wherever date you know you can find out what's happening on november 4th all across the world right for in in regards to motorcycle events uh so check it out absolutely free chopcult.com or on all the social media simply at chopcult give them a follow and uh get connected um if you uh you don't know if if you're in a punk hardcore metal you know things like that then you already know about pitchfork and if you don't you've been under a rock and you need to crawl out of that rock look into the sun uh let the sun rays give you some vitamins nourish yourself and uh go check out pitchforkny.com they got all kinds of clothing they got a they're a record label as well they're putting out all these special edition records they just put out another new york hardcore to, uh compilation lp uh so check them out pitchforkny.com if you need more motorcycle pots or you live in new england and you need some motorcycle service or customization you need to check out my shop chop ahead at chopahead.com spelt in the most mass hole of ways which is c-h-o-p-p-a-h-e-a-d we got a uh, parts and swag and whatnot and riding gear for sale online helmets uh you know whatever it is you need gloves we got all kinds of t-shirts the shop shirts and whatnot uh but more importantly whatever part you need for your motorcycle we either have it or can get it so hit us up if you don't see it online um but even more important than that we're a brick and mortar shop so you can come in and we're full service so whether you need an oil change or a full custom chopper built or anything in between we do it audio for your bagger speed work performance work whatever hit us up chopahead.com 508-995-6764 uh email me at uh, truth at chopahead if you have any questions or anything and last but not least uh check out the website for the podcast here at bigtruthpodcast.com every episode's up there um and wherever you listen to this whether it's on itunes or apple or android or uh, stitcher or youtube or you know um spotify 
any way this podcast is available and it's available pretty much anywhere, please give it a like or a view or stars or whatever it is that they got on that specific system. That way we can keep this thing going uh, on YouTube or wherever they allow it. Leave comments, uh, you know, get engaged, man, so we can spread this thing. And uh, without further ado, let me stop talking here so we can get into today's episode right now. Yes, once again, we have liftoff. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Big Truth Podcast. And today I'm stoked to have my man Tad, the diet coach on. And if you don't know Tad, he's an IFBB pro, uh, well, recently retired IFBB uh, pro bodybuilder. He's also been a judge. He's a judge for the IFBB. Um, He's a trainer, a nutritionist, a diet coach, a podcast host, a whole litany of things. He's a man of many hats, a true renaissance man. uh, And uh, that's why I'm stoked to have him on. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Tad, what's happening, man? Hey, Truth. How you doing, my friend? Yes, yes. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, man, and uh, you're in you're in beautiful, balmy uh, Arizona, and I'm uh, actually it's 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 pretty balmy here tonight too. It's a it, it's one of those humid days. It doesn't get super hot now this time of year up in Massachusetts, but it, it's still uh, you know it's probably like seventy five, but humid, you know, and that's that's what sucks. So that's I miss the dry heat of Arizona, man. It's was, it was always uh, beautiful out there. Oh man, well, I've lived out in Pittsburgh. I've lived in Baltimore. I've lived in. Chicago, and I've also lived like, of course, I was born in California, Southern California. I lived in Oregon and went to school in Oregon. And I can tell you that I do not like living on the East Coast. <laughs> it's cold, man. Well, it's the like summertime is great, yeah. but everything else sucks <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, so like, I'm like a more like temperate, moderate guy. Like, I like fall and like spring. You know, like those days where it's like right. 80 degrees or 75 degrees and no humidity. I, I live for the like three weeks of the year that we have that are like that. <laughs> that's kind of that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's like Flagstaff. Flagstaff was a good summer. Flagstaff's like 80 and no humidity. You know, I, I remember that. I live in Tempe. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. It's pretty. Like like right now, I believe it's like what is it like a hundred degrees a day? Something like that. Yes, about hundred degrees, and, which really is cooling off. Like yeah, cooling yeah. off. Hundred fifteen. <laughs> and then when I first moved here two years ago, people were like, "Oh, do you know do you know how hot it gets in the summers, man?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man. I fucking grew up in Vegas. I want that shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I want to. I, I, I like the dry heat. But the only thing that would be better would probably be Hawaii. That's where I'll probably yeah. end up." Yeah, why is beautiful? I only went once. I went to uh, Maui, and I was like, "Man, if it wasn't such a long flight, I'd be coming back here more often." Well, I'm I'm part Aboriginal Hawaiian, so I'm uh, my father was Japanese and Hawaiian. Oh, okay. uh, So part of me really when I go whenever I go to Hawaii, that part of me I could just feel it resonate with me with the ocean. I just want to be in the ocean. I want to be out there. I just love the island life, the people. 
everybody's so nice. Um, you know, I just, I, I like this, the, the idea of the spirit of Aloha, which is most people think of Aloha. I'm not, I'm not sure if you know this. Most people think of Aloha as greeting, but actually it means as a bit more of a meaning to that. The, the, my favorite meaning to, to Aloha is what's mine is yours. That's so awesome. it's yeah. really like a, a way to greet people like an Island culture. Traditionally, you kind of have to be friends with everybody. You kind of can't like not like people yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that might be the only motherfucker fishing on the island, right? <laughs> Catching all the fish to everybody. Be nice to him, or he might be the only guy making shoes or whatever it is. So everyone has to work together. Um, so actually, I really like that movie Milana. They made it. There's a song in the beginning that he and he sings about this. And man, I'm okay. I maybe I'm mushy, but I saw. I took my daughter to that movie a couple years ago. I'm sitting there in the eyes, I'm fucking in tears and shit because. <laughs> Because I'm like, because it's touching me, man. Like I'm like, that's the way we, we should all be living. We yeah. should be living with this. this kid that he says this one line. He says it's a song, and he says her father sings it, and he's talking about her becoming this the next uh, tribal leader, and he's explaining how they live, and it's everything that we do, we work, and we play everything we do, we share. Yeah. Because when you live on an island, you have to. You have to. You, you can't. You can't be selfish bastards like we are here in the states. <laughs> when, yeah. When you really live on an island, but yeah. uh, but I get it. But anyway, that's my next destination. When I retire, I'll probably go out there and live there. I'll still do what I do. Well, that's part of my next because I just I gotta get there, man. I gotta gotta yeah. live there near the ocean. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful out there. And everything you said, I, I it was the same experience for me, man. People were cool. It was just like a, a, a nice, relaxing vibe. And it was a, it was just a good time. And, you know, I'm, I'm like surprised by like some of the islands, like real estate isn't that expensive there. It's just everything else is expensive. You know what I mean? But like you could you can get a little place for, for not that much, you know, like. Well, so, well, you're you're you, you know, what expenses all about like if you look at prices in New York, yeah. I think still New York ranks out at the most expensive place to have to, to live yeah. in the United States. Um, yeah, you know, but I, I don't Hawaii, doubt that or San Francisco. Hawaii, well, yeah, I've been checked recently because California has been, I mean, I was born in Southern California, but I wouldn't go back there. I wouldn't go back. I would go back to visit, but not to live. I wouldn't. Yeah. So much state, so mismanaged. And I really don't like, um, I mean, all this crap they were trying to do, cause there, was, there was a huge exodus of people from the state, like six, I think it was like 60,000 people a month were leaving at some point. And they were coming here to Arizona and to Texas. Cause yeah. these places still places like that. And it's still reasonably affordable to live. But man, I'm telling you, man, for anybody who wants to move here, I would tell them, you know, look around because um, it's getting, it's, these people are coming and it's driving all the, the real estate prices up. Uh, it's good for people like me who own homes, but I don't want to sell my home cause then I got to buy it. I got to buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to cost me more money. <laughs> so it's not worth it. Yeah, it's it's but, similar uh, here because like, I, I live a little bit south of the city, and I, I used to live right in this, in Boston, but now I'm like about 40 minutes south, and I'm actually in like a little wooded town, and everyone left Boston too and like spread out through the rest of Massachusetts and, and, and blew up all the real estate and even like the, the smaller towns outside of the city, you know what I mean? And 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 uh, the same yeah. thing, like Massachusetts fled to uh, Western Mass and Southern Mass and into to, uh, like Maine and, and New Hampshire, like the same way Californians uh, uh, fled to uh, Texas and, and Arizona. And, and I know about that Arizona shit, man, because uh, I've always, uh, like I lived there in the mid-90s and I've always been like 
monitoring real estate because I'm like, I want to buy something in Arizona someday. And I used to get listings from one of the realtors out there, and I used to laugh because I'd be like, ah, just show me everything under $100,000 in Tucson or whatever. And I'd get like 10, 15 pages. Like, I can't even get through all this stuff, like 500 listings, and that doesn't exist anymore, you know? <laughs> and I, I never got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I would have got in then, but uh, you know, but I mean, I'm a dummy. Yeah, I didn't do it. So I'll tell you, my home. Like I bought my house here when I moved here two years ago. I mean, literally 23 months ago. Yeah. I bought this house in October um, of two years ago, and I I did I did one major improvement. I put some solar panels on it, which usually increases the value by by they said by 11. Yeah. percent um, That's the average. My 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 uh, I've gained. Probably easily, I've gained um, two hundred to two hundred twenty-five thousand in equity. Yeah, that's just from crazy. sitting on this, it's nuts. I've never seen it like that before. Yeah. I, I even financed once because because these rates keep dropping. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm taking advantage and just you know and and uh, save me. I mean, right now is just a really good time to actually buy a house, in my opinion. Um, because of the rates, the mortgage rates so low, money's a lot less expensive to to, uh, to to lend. So, but it's just the housing prices go up. So you got you got you know one demon or the other you got to face, right? <laughs> yeah, I so. know. Yeah, yeah. As as interest rates, uh, as as uh, real estate rates go higher, the uh, interest rates go lower, and then it's kind of the the same inverse effect when the uh, real estate uh, goes lower. The uh, you know, yeah, it's, it, it, they just kind of go opposite yeah, of each other. They do, they do, they really do. And it has a lot to do with um, the inventory. So when, and I'm not an expert on this, but I do know that obviously when there's money, when money's easier to get for, for, for people to purchase homes, then they'll purchase homes. And so that leaves inventories lower. So so that that's why the prices go up because there's less, there's yeah. supply and demand. If there's less yeah. inventory and more buyers, then prices go up. Yeah. But it's right now, like nutty. Yeah, <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. my brother... My brother got another, he purchased another place in, in the Seattle area just recently, just like a couple weeks ago. And, and they don't even, like, they don't even, they take, they're doing something weird there in this, in Washington. He said they're, the real, the um, home sellers are collecting bids till a date. They'll say, well, we're collecting bids till this date. Here's the, here's the asking price, but we're collecting bids this date. So what they do is they collect bids because they're getting so many. Yeah. There's so many removing that they want to see it all because otherwise the first good one that comes along they don't know if they, they might get better ones better offers oh yeah yeah to be able to, to ferret out all the deals and it, he, my brother said these people are fucking paying 50 40 50 60 grand over asking he said you can't they're, they're buying it over like 50 grand over appraisal yeah and he's like nobody but nobody can do, get that with a standard mortgage uh, because no one's going to lend you more money than the home is worth yeah and so they have to be coming coming just with cash which is kind of throwing the market off. Oh, no, that's what's been happening here, too. My buddy just sold his house, uh, and it was the same thing. He got 40-something grand more than asking. They they waived the inspection, home inspection, all that stuff. I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) No kidding. Like, you could inherit a house that's got some real problems. (laughs) You don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it's developers that are probably just going to flip them and sit on them or do whatever or, or, you know, just who knows. But um, I think certain, I think certain areas, and I don't know about what you think about this, but and this is just an idea that popped in my head. I don't know if this is a really good idea, but I think that there's some logic to say that maybe 
to keep housing prices real realistic for most of us because houses are supposed to be there for us to fucking live in, not for investors to invest in, and so, and then it fucks everybody else who wants to live there. That doesn't that doesn't seem right to me. Um, it seems like we need to we need to make sure that people have good quality housing. Everyone, everyone should sure. have this. This is a this is an entitlement that we should all really, really be able to have if we, if we, if we're willing to work and we're willing to put our put our two cents in, so to speak. But when you have these investors come in, they just, in my opinion, they screw shit up. Yeah, like, and, and you know the good thing is that they're not screwing everywhere up. They're only screwing certain parts of the country up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> there's always there's always affordable real estate out there. You might just have to go to you know somewhere you know that you didn't think about. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how did you like? Um, I know you've been involved in bodybuilding for for decades. Like, what what uh brought you into that? Like, what what piqued your interest and got you involved in in uh in in getting in, in involved in that? Well, bodybuilding. Well, when I was fifteen, uh, it's kind of a. I feel like I'm like it's a like it's a, like some kind of standard story you might hear <laughs> from bodybuilders, but but maybe it's not. Uh, when I was fifteen, I was a really skinny kid. I'm Japanese and Hawaiian, and then my mother. That's my father. My mother is is European. She's a English, mostly British, and German, and Irish, and Portuguese. And so I look. Today I look like I'm Italian, but I'm not. I most people think I when I, when I live back east, they all think I'm Italian. But that's probably because there's a lot of Italians live back east. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in the when I grew up in Vegas, people thought I was Mexican because you know Hispanics live there. But so unless I go to Hawaii, they think I, then they know I'm Hawaiian and something else. But um, uh, but back when I was 15, I was such a skinny kid and I was short. I'm Asian, I'm short, I'm skinny, like I was 95 pounds in high school. That's what I weighed when I was like a sophomore. And I remember seeing this magazine, this muscle fitness and a flex magazine on the, on the rack when I was with my grandmother or my mother buying groceries. And I'm like, holy fuck, you can get that big? Oh, that's what I'm doing. I knew right away. It was like, it was like somebody turned a fucking light bulb on in a room. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. So I picked these guys, these two magazines up, took them, I bought them. And I showed everybody, all my friends at school, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be in these motherfucking magazines. And they all, everybody but my twin brother, they all laughed at me. <laughs> I was like, dude. They, they were discounting they that Hawaiian court. gene, man. Like, that Hawaiian uh, gene will get you big, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know that they weren't trying to hurt my feelings. They were just trying to uh, save me from some disappointment, right? They're like, dude, you maybe you should pick a sport like swimming or something. I'm like, fuck swimming. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you can't get big swimming, bro. I'm like, no, 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 no. This, I'm going to be like this motherfucker right here, this dude here with 21-inch arms. And so, uh, so I just, so that's when my journey started. And I never stopped until I'm 51 now. And that's, so I've had a nice ride <laughs> my whole life doing this bodybuilding thing. I never thought, that I was going to ever make a career out of it. I just was pursuing it as a passion. I went to college and studied uh, exercise science and nutrition and biochemistry. And then I took all the courses in that shit because I want, I figured this was going to help me be Mr. Olympia. And then, uh, so then I ended up getting a degree in, cause I didn't want to get a degree in it. Uh, there, at that, in, the, in the late eighties and uh, stuff in that, in that time, there was no like vocation for me for being a diet coach or for being a nutritionist, like the way I wanted to do it. So I didn't, that was never even in my mind. What was in my mind was I'm taking these courses so I can learn what I need to learn about my body and I can apply it. And then, then I'll be able to win these shows and be Mr. Olympia, <laughs> right? Like be the best in the world. And so I took that approach and then realized halfway through school that people were coming to me because I was the biggest guy in the room usually. And they were coming to me to, for advice. And so I started helping people and training people. And, and it was just, I didn't even, and collect money. 
I didn't even ask for money. It was just people that were other competitors, uh, the football team, uh, the Oregon State football team, and I was there. The, the, the athletic director came to me and asked me to help with uh, with their weight training program and help get the football players to size them up because we had such a small team. And uh, so I did that. And so I kind of got introduced to like help them working with other athletes that way. Sure. It, it started that way. Then it branched off to, um, well, see, I, I ran a vitamin store when I was in college as well. So I started to see all these other people who were non-athletes, but were wanting to become like athletes. They were wanting to train like them, be bodybuilders, but didn't want to compete necessarily. So they wanted to do all the same things that we were doing, that I was doing, and they wanted to change their bodies, but they didn't really want to compete or like get on stage or, or they weren't like playing a sport, but they wanted to look like it. And so I was starting to help some of those people. And that kind of sort of started my, the, the sort of plan the seed that I could make this into a viable sort of vocation, but I never still thought that I was going to do that. I thought I got out of college and went to graduate school, studied, uh, I actually went to seminary and studied theology and ethics um, and, and uh, was involved in the Jesus scholarship. I studied um, at one time in my life, I was a very sort of devout, sort of conservative kind of Christian, even though today I'm not very religious. Um, I'm a very spiritual person, but not a very religious person. Um, but at that time I was, and I think, um, and, I, and I was concerned about, uh, I went to a seminary to study theology and, and the Jesus scholarship, the historical Jesus. I wanted to understand who the historical person was that we call Jesus today. So that's what I ended up doing. And when I got out of college, I ended up doing stuff in, in technology. I still helped people. I still bodybuilded. I still competed. I just didn't think there was a vocation in it. So I didn't even ask people for money. I just helped people. I had, I always had people that I was working with. <laughs> I was, cause I would always get in great shape for shows. And they, and so I was helping them do this stuff. And I'm that nerdy guy who likes to spend hours in front of a, uh, in front of my computer trying to figure out what the fuck these drugs do, what the fuck these vitamins do, what the hell all this, how this stuff works in my body. Why am I getting this result? What, how can I, how, you know, all, how do I track all this stuff? So I was doing all that stuff and it just sort of lent itself to me preparing myself to really work with people on a full-time basis, which I ended up doing later on in life after I would retire from uh, technology. Um, and I just said, cause I got to a point when I was like 30 where I said, you know what? I have been doing this part-time for all these years and it's really what I love doing. And I don't really love working. For, I worked for Oracle. I didn't really love working for Oracle. And I didn't, I was our top sales guy. I mean, I was our top sales guy in, in the nineties and selling uh, technology to startups who, uh, you know, and, and we were, it was like a huge boom and it was an incredible time because I got to see how this could work virtually. Yeah. And so I developed some, I said, Hey, you know, I could do this shit online. I don't have to fucking be in a gym all day. I don't have to do, have to do that, do it that way. Cause I didn't want to train people. I still don't like training people. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't really train people anymore. Um, my time, my, I'm too expensive. I'm not going to sit there for $60 an hour in a gym. Fuck that. Like, no, I mean, I'm much more expensive than that. So I don't really do that. I don't really enjoy it. Sure. Um, so I do it only on special occasions when I have like weekend seminars where I'll bring some people in some athletes or some clients, and then I'll work with them individually. I'll work with them in the gym. So that way um, it's, it's real functional. But um, I just ended up, I remember, I remember ended up walking away from my career in technology. And my wife was like, well, why don't you just wait a few years? Maybe you could probably just retire and just do whatever you want. And I'm like, nope, not going to make it that far. <laughs> I fucking hate what I do. I'm just that dude. I'm that guy who, if I don't like something, I'm, I just don't do the things I don't like doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I do the things I have to do sometimes, but when it comes to things like my career, 
Um, you know, like I go to the gym cause I like working out. I do, I, I, you know, I have this job, this career that I have that created carved out of nothing because I wanted it this way. I don't like to be on a schedule. I don't like to wake up early. I don't like to, you know, like I want to go train when I want to train. I want to have, I, and I think that our lives, all of our lives should be architected in a way that makes sense to us. So that's why bodybuilding was more, so much more than a career, so much more than a, an impetus for me to want to change my body or to have self-esteem. It was so much more than that. Although it did those things too, it, but it was so much more because it helped me evolve as a person to gain control over my life uh, from a career standpoint, from a physical standpoint, and also from an emotional standpoint, because it led me into doing all these other things that I do, which all have to do with well-being. So today I would classify myself as focusing more on well-being, uh, health through well-being, which to me means not it's more than just nutrition, it's more than just activity, it's more than just what I do with my body, it's also how I connect with my inner being, how I, how connected am I to my spirit, to that that piece of me that's larger than who I, who you, who I look like from the physical. It's a bigger than that. Like, unless you, like I, cause I believe like most people that I'm more than my body. And so if I'm more than my body, then what am I? Right? Like, and I know that this bigger, larger part of me, I can't see it. I can only feel it. Hmm. I can only, and so, but important to, to my well being, to my, to my, to how I uh, get along in this life, how fulfilled I am, um, how satisfied I am with my, with my life process and experiences. And that all has to do with me taking care of that aspect of myself as well. I have to take care of my body. I have to take care of my mind and I have to take care of my spirit. Um, not from a religious perspective, but from a, but just from a personal perspective. Personally, I believe that to feel whole and healthy, and I just wrote an article about this, true health. True health is, is, a, is a combination of mind, body, and spirit. It's not just a, a physically healthy body. That's one level of health, but it's not complete health. I know lots of people who are very healthy physically, but are miserable. Mm. And that's not health. Sure. It, it's not health. I mean, your body works great, but, why, but, you know, but you're always depressed, or you're sad, or you're angry or you're pessimistic about life, or you don't want to be here. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there's all these other levels or aspects to ourselves that I think bodybuilding was the impetus for me to develop, for me to understand them more completely. So like a lot of times in, my, all, in most of my programs that I offer, they're, they're a very well-rounded approach. So I don't take the same approach that other coaches do in the industry, whether I'm prepping an athlete for a show or whether I'm just helping somebody lose body fat or whether I'm helping somebody you know, change their physique to, to something that they want to see in the mirror. Whatever it is that we're doing, um, I, you know, I take this full mind-body approach approach because I found over the years that if I just work off the body, then I, I got a success rate of about 70%. But if I work off of mind, mind and body and spirit, my, my rate of success goes all the way to like in the nineties. Yeah. So that's why I focus on, and, it's, and again, the caveat is that I'm not the one doing it. I'm just the one present. I'm just the one sweeping the dirt away off, off the path. The person who I'm working with has to do the work. They have to be on board with it. They have to see the, the connection between mind, body, spirit. If they don't, it doesn't matter what they, if they, you know, it's like, you got to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. You, so, I, so if I'm asking them to do some meditation, if I'm asking them to do some kind of journaling exercise, man, if you're not buying, if you're not bought into this shit, then it's not going to help you. I don't, you know, you, can, you can't just walk through the motions on this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but if you really want transformation, 
if you really, really want to change, then if you take all this stuff seriously, then you'll start to see how it's all interconnected. I did. Took me years to do it. Took me years to figure out how all these connections, why they made sense to me and why they were impacting my life. Um, and, I've, and, and I've been very fortunate and blessed to be incredibly successful in my career um, and to still be able to generate success even today after I've been retired from competing about five or six years now. Um, and I, and again, like I would still love to compete, but I've done my, my, my fair share of competing. I don't, and besides that, as a competitive bodybuilder, I'm going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there's a, there's a set number of years that are really ideal to do this. Yeah. After that, you know, you're just not the bodybuilder. And I, I didn't want to be that guy on stage who's tired looking and fucking like, you know, like, no, I want to go out, like go out. I want the last show that I do to be my best one. Sure. Not, my, not, not, not just the best one I do. Yeah, yeah, you know, so that was just me. me. That's not everybody. That was just me. So I did that, <laughs> got it, and I retired, um, and I'm, I was happy with that. But now I focus most of my energy on on my athletes and my clients, and I do I do go out and judge pro shows and pro ams and stuff, and that's very fun. I go to the Olympia and I work that every year as well. Uh, I'll be going this year in a couple of weeks to go to Olympia. It's going to be a, a good, exciting one, be a fun one because. Big Romney is going to try to repeat. We're going to see what happens there. I have a sneak. I don't know if you follow the industry or not, but he's probably the biggest, probably the biggest um, uh, missile we've had. I mean, Ronnie Cohen was pretty big, but Romney, fucking that motherfucker's big. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I don't. I don't super follow it, but I do. I know. I know Coleman. I know you guys are talking about, but like because they're the major major guys. You know what I mean? But. Um, but I mean, this is a very interesting approach, and um, I know you. We when we were talking before, you were saying you were, if you you were one of the first, if not the first, kind of person to bring like nutrition and diet coaching uh, online. Like, wh what kind of led you? Like, when did the switch flip for you? That like you know, it's more than just the physical aspects and the and the nutrition aspects. Like, when you when 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 did you think more about you had to get the the total uh, mental kind of component in the in the as well as the spiritual component into it? How how did that all come together for you? Because you don't see that a lot in a lot of the the, the uh, online coaching and stuff that you see around now you, nowadays. You know, no, you you don't. I, I feel like I feel like people are more aware of this connection. I feel like I hear more about people being interested in mindfulness and presence. Uh, these kinds of modalities that help us to 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 live more fulfilled lives. But I started to integrate it when it was important to me in my life. So because I was so intimately tied into the religious aspects of my life early on in my life, I studied more religions. I studied all these things because I was looking from, I was you know, trying to answer my own questions personally about my own spirituality and my own religion. And, um, and what I was coming to was uh, that this is who we are. Like we are spiritual creatures. We are, we are loving, uh, caring creatures. And when we don't feel loving and we don't feel cared for, and when we don't feel the way these, then we feel off. We start see, I mean, when somebody doesn't feel good, what do they do? They seek to feel good. We don't see, we don't ever seek to feel bad. We always seek to feel good. But when we feel good, we seek to stay there. It's because I think, and we, and what that usually feels like, it feels like love or joy. And so that's why I say we're joyful, loving creatures by nature. This is our natural state of being. And so the only way that I've seen in my life to be able to truly capture that in its fullest, uh, in its fullest expression is for me to, is for me to connect together all the spheres of my life, mind, body, and spirit. Um, even if I leave out just one of those aspects, then I, then I'll suffer somewhere else. 
I'll suffer. If I, if I don't, um, for instance, if I don't support the mind, then I'm not educating myself. I'm not furthering what I'm doing and what I know and my knowledge. And you and I both know that, and especially in this sport, in this day and age, knowledge is is turning over at a record pace. So the shit that we thought was right two years ago might not be now, or yeah. the things that we think was great might not be tomorrow. And, and we got to keep up with that. Nothing stays static. If there's one thing I know about life is that one, we're all born to die, and two, every, change is fucking inevitable. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> so, it's true. You better shake hands with both those ideas. Um, that's why I don't get upset about people who die. I'm I'm sad that I can't interact with them anymore. But I'm but I'm not sad that they transitioned because they didn't. I don't believe they get they went anywhere. Um, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> but I did feel like I did feel like after my career in corporate America that what I really wanted was control over my career and my life and my life process. And so I just had to go into business for myself. I just had, I just, I've always been an entrepreneurial person. So building my own business was just the match, the next natural step and, and working in technology um, and helping those companies go to the internet. Uh, I mean, like I was selling uh, internet, like I was <laughs> selling uh, application licenses for Oracle to, uh, to companies like Amazon and eBay. And, and I was like Starbucks and before anybody knew who these fucking companies were. Yeah. And I remember thinking, guys, I'm like, well, first of all, I was completely wrong about one thing. I, I remember talking to people at Amazon. I'm like, you don't fucking want, why do you want to spend all this money? You were going to spend seven figures on licenses for Oracle licenses, and they're just going to sell fucking books. And I'm like, really? You, I don't see how you're going to, I don't know how your business, I don't see how your business plan is going to work just selling books. Well, I was fucking wrong. Those motherfuckers sold the shit out of that shit, and they started selling everything. And they had a bigger strategy in place. Uh, but what it showed me was that there is an audience out there, and um, and this is a this is a wonderful medium to to be able to reach that audience. Uh, I don't have to pay these absorbent pay these fees like if you before you had to either advertise in magazines or advertise on TV, and that was incredibly expensive. Sure. Now kids today don't even, kids don't even know this shit because it's not it's it's it's, it's not applicable anymore. Nobody pays for commercials anymore that much, except for big corporations. And um, uh, and, and of course, we everything is, is internet driven these days, and mostly social media driven. That's where everyone's hanging out. They're all hanging out on fucking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all this shit. Well, and that's great, but it changes the landscape of how you get, what you know how you focus your business, and it just makes and to me it was a beautiful thing because it's like okay now I don't I don't need a hundred grand to get to start a business I can start with almost nothing all I got to do is put my own sweat equity into it and that's what I did um, I, it helped that I competed um, uh, and it, I'll tell you what else it helped it helped that I fucking love this shit that I, yeah. that I would do it with even if I, even if I didn't get paid so like it was not a sacrifice to me it was just what I knew I should be doing. And I just knew that the reward would be there. I didn't have to try to, as a matter of fact, I don't even, <laughs> I to say, people think I'm fucking crazy, but I don't even hardly look at my bank account because I don't, I just, I just like to focus on the stuff that I'm doing. I don't like to actually, I'm not the guy who's counting his pennies. And all, I mean, I do, I'm a big saver, but I don't like to, to focus on, if I could do this whole thing without money, I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. If I could do it all, it's just that we need money. To like live and shit. Sure, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> but, yeah. But but that was my modus, and I just picked it up. I thought if these other if these companies could do this stuff, then I can go to the internet. And so I was the first guy. That was the first diet coach online offering these services in the nineties. And I remember every one of my friends 
said I was nuts for doing this. Like, you're going to quit your job? You can do this? I'm like, yeah, man, this is what I want to do. Like, it's going to work. And they all didn't believe it, man. Of course, now, as you know, like everybody wants to be a coach nowadays. And Oh, yeah. And they're, they're popping up, especially, especially probably because you don't have to put that much money on the line to kind of like delve into a business anymore. Like some people, especially with something like coaching, you know what I mean? You can just be like, Hey, I'm a coach, you know? And as long as you look the part, like you could probably get some clients fairly easily nowadays, you know, <laughs> as long as, I mean, the proof is always in the pudding. So it's always in the, uh, in my opinion, a coach is as good as our outcomes. So, um, so if the outcomes are there, then great. But you know, you know, after a little bit, like it's, it's easy to spot the bullshitters. I can spot them out because, sure. um, you know, everybody wants to coach, but not, but you got to know what you're looking for. So like people ask me this question. I think they ask me that, well, how do you find a good coach? Well, here's what you do. You actually have to talk to people. Sorry, folks. You can't just text them. You can't just email them. You actually got to talk to them. And the reason why is because most people, well, there's a lot of nonverbal cues that we give off. And you need to be able to talk to somebody because that's the main, that's the main way that I communicate with my athletes and my clients is that I have to, I, I like talking to them so that I can ask questions. I can figure out what issues are going on. And I can fix them, change diet, change activity, change something in the program that's going to help us get further us along the pathway to our goals. And the only way for sometimes for me to really, 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 really do that effectively is to be able to sit and have a dynamic conversation with somebody, not a goddamn text conversation that I can only get one third of the answers from. Because sure. people don't, they don't text the way they, the way they speak. They don't give you as much detail. It's because you can't when you're typing shit. <laughs> it's like, it's harder to do that. Some people do, but it's not my preferred method because I don't like to spend all my time on my phone. Yeah. I want to talk to somebody on the phone or I want to talk to somebody face to face. I want to actually talk. I feel like I can get more done quicker and I don't have time to do uh, other ways that, uh, that, that, you know, sort of, um, that wastes a lot of time. So I can't, now I got, now I can only deal with like 10 people instead of I can deal with like 30. Yeah. So that's why I like to do it that way. But, um, I, I remember people thought I was kind of nuts, but it worked out. <laughs> it worked out real well. Um, but I did, I do say that the best way to find a good coach is one, look for their, um, look to ask about experience. So I believe in the 10,000 hour rule that there's some psychologists, um, I, um, remember I have to think, um, uh, who, uh, Robert Greene's written about this as well as, um, uh, who else? Um, um, gosh, she's my other favorite. Anyway, there's a, there's a book called outliers. Um, and I can't remember the author's name. Um, anyways, a, a great book. And, um, he talks about, um, what it takes to be an outlier. So there's the outliers in society, the people on the fringes, the people who are highly successful, um, and the people who are getting, who are really getting things, get, they're the top, the cream of the cream, right? The cream of the crop. Um, the Mozarts, the, the, the Steve Jobs is of the world. Those people who are excelling at these higher levels that nobody else really does except for the top 1%. And how are their characteristics? And there seems to be a few. It seems by, by his measure. And, and one of them is, is that, um, it's, uh, that you get, it takes about 10,000 hours of experience to be able to master your field well enough to be able to really start creating the, the good, the really, really good stuff. Like Mozart stuff, like people think we think so Mozart or like say Einstein, both these individuals seem to feel you, we, we, the stories were told and he goes over these in his book really, really precisely over these, uh, these examples that 
people oftentimes um, think that those people are born like that. They were born to be a great um, musician or born to be this world famous physicist. Well, maybe, maybe not. But he, he points out that these people have that led them down the pathway that allowed them to be able to excel. And the, one of the ones is they were all, they all have opportunity opportunity in, in terms of putting the kind of time it takes to master a skill like playing a piano or writing music or figuring out physics problems. <laughs> it takes about, uh, you know, 10,000 hours of work before people start creating and doing really, really good stuff. And, and he goes over their sort of their life and it points out that, look, by the time you don't even hear about anything from Einstein, for instance, until he's in his mid to late twenties. He's not producing the stuff that we know today as the great stuff that he produced until he's well beyond those 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. So same thing with Mozart. Mozart started when he was three, right? His dad was a court composer for Aust the Austrian court composer. So his dad was already doing this work. So he was revising it because you'll hear read stuff about Mozart that says he was um, writing symphonies when he was like six. Technically, he wasn't. He was revising his father's. Okay, but but still, this but it'll do this at fucking six, six and seven years old. But the reason why is because he's collecting hours of this work at the age of three to six, and then he's continuing on through his twenties and obviously his whole life. And by the time he gets to be like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, his dude's got twenty, thirty thousand hours. He's crushing it. Yeah. And so yes, he's a he's like a prodigy. But really, he's probably got proclivities for it. But really, it's the opportunity and it's the ability to put that time in on it. Bill Gates, the same thing. Um, you look at what he was doing when he was trying to when he was trying to go to school, <laughs> and um, he had when he was in high school, he got special access to one of only two goddamn supercomputers in the fucking United States. Who gets that privilege? Yeah. He did. And he got it for four years when he was in high school. By the time he graduated from high school, from at the, when he was 17 or so, he had more computer experience putting down code down than the, than the professors, than the, the, the best professors in computer science in our country at the time. So he was, at 17, he was already doing stuff that they didn't know how to do because he was just putting the time in. Every, he got free, you had to pay for that time. Other professors had to pay money to like actually rent that computer time because there was only two supercomputers in the whole United States at the time that could do this work. And he happened to live near them and he happened to get special dispensation and from the school. And they said, yeah, whenever it's free, you can use it. So every day after school, he's in there plugging away on this shit. So that's why Bill Gates became Bill Gates. That's <laughs> yeah. um, just part of the reason. I mean, there's lots of other sure, stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah. But it's just his it's just 10,000 hours. And I think I looked at my schedule and I looked at, when I read that book, I couldn't help it. So I did my own math. So, and I, and this was two years ago to these numbers. So I haven't, I haven't really done the math, but as of two years ago, I had 67,000 hours in this game. And that's the, and that's, there's a difference between somebody who coaches somebody uh, who has 67,000 hours and somebody who has a couple of thousand hours. Yeah. And, and what counts, being doing this doing this work and, I, and i'm not a big fan of like i'm a big fan of education and stuff but i'm not a big fan that i think it's the end of all means i think that the real stuff the, the best people doing the best work in the world whether it be coaching whether it be musicians whether it, are people who've been doing it for a long time yeah well, and i agree because <laughs> so, like school can teach you like a foundation but okay. you're not going to learn it till you get your hands dirty and and, and in it you know and, and that's with like probably any anything really you know 
I mean, like how com- how c- competent or comfortable are you about the mechanic who's just started? Maybe they know how to do everything with a car, right? Like you can go to school, you can learn how to do all this stuff, and they can fix the stuff. But they haven't. They don't have enough experience yet. They haven't encountered problems that you talk to a mechanic who's done it for forty years, and you can look at something and go, "Oh yeah, that's a problem right there." Yeah. You know, and he cuts down all that bullshit time that you have to waste trying to fuck around with the new guy who's like, hey, he's never encountered this problem before. So he's like, I got to figure it out. He can figure it out. But but now you're wasting two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and to only to help him learn. And I say, well, you know, it's okay. People can do that with their coaching if they want. But I wouldn't want to pay someone to learn on me. Sure. I mean, I'm... I, I wouldn't want to do that. So that's why that's, so the best way I think is look at experience. Um, and, and then of course, talk to the person to make sure that you, that you can, you know, get along with them, that, that the kind of little, the, the kind of communication that is, that they're getting, that they're offering is, is something that, that resonates with the person because not everybody, like I'm not for everybody. I'm just, I, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm some, like I'll get somebody that says, Hey man, I need you to be really hard on me because otherwise I don't follow my plan. And I say, you're not the right guy for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna berate you because you can't fucking get off your ass and eat your fucking meals and go to the fucking gym when you need to. That's not my job. My job is to give you the expertise. My job is to help you acquire the outcomes. But I'm not here to, to be the guy to nag you like a fucking wife or a ball and chain or something. That's yeah. like, no, that's not like that's the. And, and besides, I would tell the person, you don't want me to be like that because I know you will fucking hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, you talk yeah. about the squeaky. You don't want to be in dress on your Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I will be relentless on your ass, and you will not like me, and I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather encourage you. I'd rather look at why, and this is why I take this three chair approach. I'd rather look at why you're doing the behaviors you're doing, get to the root of it, become aware of it, and then implement things that can help you change. And that comes from the kind of process. I have. If you just have a coach that just gives you a diet, just gives you those kinds of things, that just you just want the, the you know the the nuts and bolts, which is, that's what most people do, ninety nine percent, then that's fine, and that'll work if you don't have any issues. But what if you got issues? What if you can't? You what if you're that person that just is having a hard time getting your diet straight, getting getting on doing on cardio? Well, then you got to go through a transformative process. And I figured this out several years ago that the reason why those my my uh, my 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 percentage of success rate goes up so dramatically when I take this new approach is because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm attacking those problems and, and guess where they come from they come from traumas man yeah they come from deep traumas that we all fucking have we all have these internal issues and so so for those people who don't want to do shadow work who don't want to do the, the real internal work of life that helps you to really understand who you are, connect with who you are, understand who, what your issues really are, and to solve them, because it's, it's an uncomfortable, um, painful process, but when you're through the other side, it's like fucking gold. Well, if you're not one of those people who wants to do that, don't call me, because <laughs> I'm not the guy for you. I want people to go to those, those dark places that I can help them through, and then they're much better, a more powerful, empowered person afterwards, and they no longer have those sticking points in their diet, in their activities, in their problems, because they've alleviated the real problem. You can't, behaviors are there for, for good reasons. All of your behaviors are run on, we're running programs. 
These are programs that we have designed ourselves through our experiences and through the meaning that we created with it. And when you don't even know the pro- when most of the 94% of the thoughts we think are automatic, they're programs, man. They're running every day. We're thinking the same shit. We're doing the same shit every day. And that's the reason why we get the same results. And so when you want to change the program, then it starts to feel uncomfortable. And if you can't manage uncomfortability in your life, you will not be successful, period. And I tell people this all the time. The most successful athletes in this world do, and or, or successful people in this world do one thing consistently correctly. They manage their level of uncomfortability. If, they, if you can't manage how uncomfortable you get when you do something new, you're fucked. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to do it again. <laughs> when I went to the gym the first time and had that crushing leg workout that made me not want to sit on the toilet for like three days, I was amped. I'm like, <laughs> I'm hooked. But I knew what the shit that meant, right? But some people don't get excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, yeah, fuck yeah. this shit. Like, oh my God, I can't take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, All that the inner dialogue we have with ourselves, and I go, I use, uh, I, I do, I, I talk about this a lot with my athletes. It's the inner dialogue, man. So I could always spot out a, a successful person who's going to be successful, a champion, and somebody who's just an almost ram. And it's by their internal speech, how they talk to themselves about themselves, how they talk to themselves about failure, and how they talk to themselves about success. Uh, it's like um, truly successful people don't failure. It's not in their vocabulary. And I don't mean like they don't want to, they don't want to fail. I mean that they don't, they literally do not see the loss as a loss. (laughs) No, no, no. I didn't lose. I learned something. Yeah. That's what you'll hear from it. No, we might've lost that game, but I didn't lose. No, 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 no. I'm not done playing yet. Catch me at the next game. (laughs) <laughs> because that motherfucker is going to take what he learned on that game and he's going to apply it in practice and he's going to come back and he's going to be a little bit better. I, I'll tell you what I love listening to and it is a crying shame the man is dead is Kobe Bryant because that dude understood this in spades and that's why he was always this hardest working motherfucker out there, man. <laughs> and I just heard an interview with some basketball player. I don't even follow basketball. I don't even like basketball that much. I mean, I like the players because I like excellence in any form, but I remember he was, he was another pro player and he's like, it was, I guess he was a rookie. He was talking about his experience with Kobe and he's like, yeah, I guess this. He, get, he gets there and he's, he says, oh, I'm, I got He says, the, the deal was I got to get up early to be at the first, the breakfast table. So I get, I get to practice and be out there and be like, you know, somebody who's like really hustling, right? He's showing I'm going to be one of the next great players. And he says, I get there like four o'clock in the morning and he, Kobe's already at the table eating. He said, dude's already got a full on sweat. He's already worked out. He's already done everything. He's like, I'm just getting up, getting breakfast. It was four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. He's like, this motherfucker was not going to let anybody out work here. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's the way to do it. It's because I think I heard him say once, I set my bar higher than anybody else. And that's why I excel. And I believe that to be true. But it's, it's the expectations we hold to ourselves that are more important than anything else. Because if you, if it's okay for you to let this slide or to let this, or to skip 15 minutes on the cardio or, or to not push yourself wrong, that's all on you, man. Like that's on, that's on us. That's, that's our job to like say, no, this isn't good enough. Um, it's, and it's based on the level, level of expectation that we have for our own self and for our outcomes. So people can want um, great outcomes, but I would tell them, okay, so here's how you show you want it is in those times where you have to make a choice to make your life easier or to make it harder. You choose the harder because the harder gets you to your goal faster. 
That's what you got to do. That's a hard one, man. That's hard for some people. I understand why. But guys like Kobe, guys like Michael Jordan, you guys don't have a fucking problem with this shit. <laughs> they have a problem. I listen to that. I also watch, um, you know who David Goggins is, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, He's an animal. Fuck, man. I just listen to an animal, right? He's fucking incredible, but I wouldn't tell people to copy his training style. The guy's not something. The guy's really, <laughs> he's really out there, but, uh, but he gets it. He's got very similar kinds of proclivities, but I loved one time he was talking about, cause he runs, he likes to do the running thing. And he was talking about sometimes I don't feel like either. He says, sometimes many mornings I get up at four o'clock whenever he gets up and he says, and I sit there, I put my, my run, and I, as I'm racing up my running shoes, he says, I sit there and I stare at it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. They don't want to move. I'll fucking just sit there. He says, but then I go, I got to be the hardest motherfucker around. Right? That's what he says. I got to be the, he goes, nope. And then he just gets up and goes, does it. And I, the way I put it to my athletes is, here's the secret to always get your shit done. Don't think, just do. Don't think. The second you start thinking, what you're really trying to do is come up for, well, you're trying to come up with an argument to give yourself the license to go do the shit that you know is not going to help you like staying in bed, like not doing a car, like, like eating something else that you're not supposed to be eating. Like, no, you don't think. You disengage your brain so that your brain doesn't work against you. Your brain is going to try to keep you the same. It's going to try to keep you in comfort and ease. Well, comfort and ease keeps our bodies the same, keeps our lives the same. It's discomfort and it's uncomfortability and pain and challenge that actually makes us excel and improve and evolve and adapt. Well, you can't do that if you're comfortable. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> So champions know this and people who really, really, who understand succeeding, they understand that it takes a great deal of discomfort that you have to be able to manage that process. And if you can't, then you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no. And it, that's all interesting stuff, man, for sure. And it's, it, and it's, I think probably a hard thing too, is like you said, a lot of stuff is programmed into you. So it's like even, even acknowledging or knowing that you're, brain is kicking in and just making the easy decision for you and like being able to stop that in the moment so that you do the right thing or the, not the right thing, but the thing that gets you to your goal. Like the, I'm sure that's, a, that can be a hard thing to overcome for a lot of people. It can be, and it's, but it's not as hard as they think, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's only hard because we believe it's hard. Yeah. So the very powerful thing, like an example I use is like, okay, so you ever, you ever, you ever seen those flea circuses? Seen what? Like, you know, you know, talking about a flea circus, you, you know, those, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, they, they train these fleas, right? Yeah. This is a real thing. This is real shit. You do this. Like, they take these fleas and you put them in a jar and you close the jar. You poke a couple holes in so they have air and you close the jar lid so they can't get out and you'll hear them. They're, fleas can jump like a foot or two. Okay, big fucking little little springs on, and you can hear them ding, ding, ding. They're hitting the top of the lid, but after about an hour or so, you you hear ding, 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 and then soon later that you stop hearing it. They stop because it hit. They, they jump and they hit it and it hurts, and they so they after a while they figure it out and they they jump just high enough so they don't hit their head on the lid, and then and at that point you can unscrew that lid, take it off, and just leave it open. Doesn't matter anymore. They're never going to get out. <laughs> <laughs> because they believe there's a lid. They believe there's a ceiling. And so they never jump beyond it. And they train them so that way they can keep them in these little circuses and they train them. <laughs> but we're the same way. We, If you believe there's a ceiling to your life, you'll jump just high enough to where you get right, right under it because that's your ceiling. So the question I'm always asking is, where's my ceiling? Where's my limits? 
do I, do I want to have limits? I don't want to have limits. I don't want to have any limits. I want to allow the universe to give me exactly what, it's, what, I, what I desire. I just got to give it an opportunity to do it. So that's, that's just my personal. <laughs> um, I, I know that most of us, we architect our own, our own success and we architect our own failures. Um, the people who understand, really understand what I'm talking about know that they got to, in order to be truly successful in life, in order to really, really achieve the things that we really want, you're going to have to own all your shit. got to own it all. got to own the good stuff and the bad stuff. That means the, when I cheat on my diet, I got to own that shit because I cheated. There's no excuses. There's no, there's no reason why. Yeah, there's always good reasons why. But the, but the bottom line I didn't do it because I didn't do it. Because I chose not to. I chose something else. So I can't complain about the results. But we always do. Yeah, yeah. Now, your your clientele, like, is it a pretty diverse range of, is it like athletes and also kind of like lay people like that aren't like competing athletes? Like, is it? So like, I, I, I do have quite a few athletes because that's where I'm, the industry I come out of. But um, when, you know, 60% of my clientele is probably women, 60 to 70%, uh, 40%, 40 to 35 to 40% is probably men. Um, so I have a lot of normal clientele. I have a lot of, and I have a, uh, of course I have a quite a few athletes in all different kinds of sports as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, predominantly the fitness arena. I've also worked with like fitness models and people of that nature to look good for photo shoots and stuff like that. That's always fun. Um, the most fun people are the trans are the transformation people. To be honest, they're the most fun. The reason why is because I, you really get to see the impact uh, that you that that you have on a person's life. When I help somebody win a show, it doesn't change their life. Even if they get a pro card, it doesn't change their life. But when I help somebody lose a hundred pounds, then it changes their fucking life. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah. and the and they, I tell them, I try to reassure them that hey, look, man, it's I'm like, really, I get why they say that because they, they, you know, I was a part of that process, but I try to re- remind them that no, 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 do not let go of your power. Don't give it to me, man. I got my own. You hold on to it yourself. You did the work. All I did was point the way which path to take. All I did. You had to do the work. Give yourself credit so that you can, so that way in the future, if something happens, you can take your power back again if you need to. People are always giving the power away. I never understood that. Mm. <laughs> don't give your power away. Don't give it away. It's yours. Everyone's got their own. You don't. They don't need. Nobody needs you to agree with them either. <laughs> so, um, and I think we sometimes we do that. Sometimes by just, and we try. We do it under the guise of keeping it real. Oh, I'm just trying to keep it real. And I try to say, well, you're keeping it real negative. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. I don't like it. I get it. Uh, there's always a thousand ways to describe the same scenario. You, we, but so, but here's the key. You and I get to choose. So why would I describe something in a way that makes me feel disgusted? I would rather describe it in a way that makes me feel good. I could look at my life and I could say, okay, here's some shitty things. Or I could look at my life and go, look at all these fucking wonderful things. Both are true, but it's my experience that I'm fucking with. So 
I am going to have a great, wonderful, loving, joyful experience in this life, predominantly. I'm going to have everything else too, but predominantly it's going to be joyful and loving. And so in order for me to do that, I got to fill up my moments with more loving and, and joyful moments than sad or depressed or angry moments. And so that's my choice. That's, that's called perspective. How, what perspective or what new vantage point am I going to view my problems my situations, my experiences, and what meaning am I going to um, extract from those situations as well? That's all up to me. I'm the one that gets to do that. But everybody wants to take their power away and say, oh, no, I was late because of this. You were late because you were late. Yeah. If you, when, you, when you own that shit, I don't care what traffic was like. When you own it, then you can do something about it. But if you say, oh, man, like traffic was bad, I get it. It might be completely accurate. And that might be the real reason why you're late. But you're still late. And it was up to you to be there on a particular time. I know this, like, I, that's why I never tell people to be on time. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm routinely late to shit. It's because I got my own time. I got my own, t- I got, people call it tad time. It's really part of like a modified Hawaiian time thing. <laughs> so... But, um, but it is, it's true. It's like, otherwise the only, if somebody who used the excuse traffic was the reason why I was late, then I would, I would tell them, okay, so the only time you're going to be on time is when traffic is goes your way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, you know, I was like, well, I mean, no, man, you get to leave, er- leave earlier. <laughs> Take exactly, that around. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it, that is, if you care about that. But my point with this is that we did, we get to decide if we're going to embrace our sense of power and our sense of control over our, over our lives, or if we're going to give it away. So, you know, somebody who doesn't own their stuff uh, and uses excuses, they play the victim. That's what they're doing. They play the victim. I couldn't do it because of this. Oh, I couldn't do my cardio because of this, or, or I just ran out of time. Motherfucker. We all have the same amount of time. You didn't manage your time. That's the difference. You didn't manage it based on what you wanted to get done. You managed it based on something else. And it's not, that's not working. So you got to manage it based on what you want to get done. I get it. And I I totally understand why people do what they do. I want them to understand it so that they can take charge of it. We're all in control. So like we're, none of us are out of control here. No matter what we think we're not, we have full control of our, our, we, there's two, there's there's really only two things in this life that we truly control. We control what we think about and we control what we do. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Everything else is a crapshoot. Yeah. Right? Like I I can't even I can't even guarantee I'm gonna get to the gym every day. I can get an accident, I can have a heart attack, I can my house can catch on fire. I mean, a number of things can, can prevent me on any given day to get to the gym. But I just assume I'm gonna get there. We all do this. And then the times that we're not there, we go, Oh, it's because of this. It's like, well, but is it really? Yeah. I don't know. Like I don't I would prefer to say to not play the victim. Bad things happen. That's how I learn. I don't care if they happen. What I care about is, am I learning from them? I can't learn if I don't admit it. If I say it's the traffic's fault, I can't, I can't fuck with traffic. What am I going to do with that? How am I going to control that? I can't. But if I say, I was late because I didn't leave early enough. Traffic was bad. I didn't leave early enough. Now I've taken ownership. Now I can do something about it. I just leave earlier next time. <laughs> it's pretty simple it's pretty simple uh, scenario but that's just an example of how I kind of I do like to try to 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, like you said, it's, it's a lot of it's simple, but it's just a matter of perspective and having someone, uh, if you don't have that perspective, have someone show you that perspective so you can adjust how you think about things. And, and, and like you said, take ownership of, yeah. of your bullshit and, you know, also the good things, but you know, uh, take on your, yeah. your bullshit so you can learn from it and, uh, and correct it. I think it's the, the wise person takes ownership of everything in their life because they they know that they're in control, or at least they know that they have, they exert a certain level of influence over all these things. And it feels better to me to be able to have some control than to feel out of control. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if, if I couldn't accomplish things in life because everything else was getting in my way, that would be really goddamn frustrating. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I, if I couldn't, if I, if I had to rely on people liking me to get a pro card, fuck, that would have been frustrating. <laughs> like, Cause what if these judges don't like me? They yeah. might not like me. They just go like, but it's not just based on that. It's based on other criteria. And, uh, but I didn't have a lot of control over that either. I didn't have any control over how they saw my body in relationship to the criteria. I didn't have, didn't have any control over what they, who was standing next to me on stage um, or maybe some judge just fucking didn't like the way I looked. And it's very possible. I, I sometimes sit on panels and there's two competitors that are close and one of them I just like better because they look better. Their body just, it flows better. And it's hard to put that into, into a concrete statement that says, okay, well, you, you didn't win because the other one, all I can say is I just like the way the other, the other person looked better. They were tighter. They were this. I mean, but they just, they were more aesthetically pleasing. Some of that we don't control, right? But, but what we do control is our efforts and we control what we think about. And that is, and that's, that is enough to get, to generate the experiences that we need in this life. We may not, like, I may not be the next Mr. Olympia, but I could certainly um, have a life like that. And I could certainly feel like that. And I certainly have. <laughs> I absolutely have in my life. Um, and I also had the advantage of being able to know all these guys too. And it's, I'm going to be honest with you, man. It is a cool fucking thing to sit there and work out with and to be friends with your fucking idols. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had the luxury of being able to do that. And it is fucking cool. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and I wish that on everybody. I wish that on everybody to be able that's, you know, I posted a really interesting, uh, article today, a thing today. It was, uh, somebody talking about, um, I don't know if you remember the story. Um, it's in 1982. Uh, there was, uh, it was, I think it was, uh, I can't remember which baseball team. Let me see. It was with the Penway Park. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was in Finway, and it was uh, Jim Rice. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, Red Sox. Yeah. He was a line drive out there, popped some kid in the face. Um, kids like going went down, <laughs> bleeding. And of course, he sees this. He bolts up there. He did this. He's, I only don't think he was the one. Uh, he was actually in the dugout. I think he bolts up there. He grabs his kid and gets him down on the on the. Uh, on the grass and their medical team from this, from the, from the, the players, medical uh, people came over and started to help the kid. Cause he got hit in the face with this fucking baseball. And, and of course the doctor, they got him, the doctors came, the ambulance came, they took him away in what, within 30 minutes. But they said that the doctor said, if he hadn't done that, this kid would have died. Wow. Would have fucking died. Yeah. <laughs> it was because he got this quick care right away. And I'm like, I posted this because I I said, this is what the real sports heroes do. Is, is more than just like being great at a sport. It's being a great fucking human being. <laughs> like, I don't think we exalt that enough in our cu culture. Like 
it's wonder we cite examples, but I'm really trying to help people be great human beings, not just great athletes, not just great people, but, but I mean, not just look great and be great athletes, but really great human beings. I can't ask people to do acts like this, but I think it's a natural occurrence when you have compassion and you, and you feel the joy and fulfillment in your own life. You naturally want, want others to feel it too. It's just, it's a part of the deal. Like when you find something truly exciting, what do you want to do? You want to go tell as many motherfuckers about it as you can because you're excited about it. Even if, even if they don't care, <laughs> you yeah. still want to tell them. <laughs> so I think sharing our joy, sharing some of these things is, a, is an important part of being uh, a good person, if you will. Yeah. And But this is just a cool story that I thought I posted up. And I got a nice picture of him carrying this kid. I would have been, if I was that kid's father, I would have been fucking, I don't know, I would have been, I don't know if I would have been, I would have been like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened? Like, kid gets hit with a baseball. But I guess it happens at some of the baseball games. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's about, you know, and everyone's there trying to catch the balls. I'm not saying that that kid was, you know what I mean? But, you know, everyone's trying to no. catch them. That, that type of shit's going to happen sooner or later, you know? <laughs> um, surprised it doesn't happen more, you know, than, than we hear about, um, but, you know, one thing you said that was interesting, though, is when you said, you know, it's pretty cool to be able to kind of, uh, you know, work out with your idols or uh, things like that. Um, I mean, that's also another measure of success that you made it like, you know, you're or you're a master in your trade. Like, uh, you or like, you know, the 10,000 hours is definitely a thing. But like another way to gauge success is like I've, I've heard this before is that when your idols become your peers, you know what I mean? And then and, and you might not even realize it and you might get imposter syndrome and be like, ah, should I even be here? But like at some point, like when Ooh, yeah. you find yourself, that's that's your peers are the people that you once looked up to. Then, you know, you've kind of. Um, um, you know, became, you know, more of a, uh, uh, not saying a master, but yeah, but a master in your, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, did you, did, did you ask a question? I'm sorry. I didn't, did I miss it? <laughs> oh no, no. I was just kind of like saying it was like, uh, you know, like, uh, it was just kind of like, cause earlier on we were talking about like, you know, uh, you know, how do you know if someone's like good at what they do or oh, like yeah. finding a good coach and you talking about the 10,000 hours and all the stuff that effort that goes into it. But I was saying another way to know that you've made it or like you're successful at what you do is uh, like, if you said, if you, if your peers, if you're, if the people that were your idols now are your peers, you know what I mean? Like, in, oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, you just find yourself, I think, in, um, you find yourself in circles, in these circles of expertise, I'll call it, um, whatever field you're in, whether it be a sports or whether it be an industry or whether it be, it doesn't matter. When you start focusing on being an expert, start to really, really hone your craft and really be as good as you can be and you're, not, and you're focused on that, you just naturally start to collect uh, circles of people. You start being in circles of individuals that are like this. Yeah. You just, it's, it's not, it's, it's almost impossible to stop. And you just don't tolerate the people who just fill your life with bullshit. The people who underperform, underachieve, and it's not because they're horrible people. No, 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 they're wonderful people, but they're not in alignment with who, with where you're going. It's like getting on a bus. You know, like I'm on the I'm on the blue bus going here, going there. And if you want to, if you if you you got to be going where I'm going to get on this bus, because you know I'm not on the red bus. I'm on the blue bus or the green, whatever it is. You know. Yeah. So if you're on the if you're if you're on uh, you know this this fast track to to achieve like I found myself in these circles in bodybuilding because I was not accepting anything but success from this. 
So like I was going to do, learn what I needed to learn. Be, I always wanted to be around people that I could learn from, that I could see how they're doing it. I could see how like, you know, cause obviously they're doing it right. They're doing something right. Sure. <laughs> so anytime I can glean information and, and most of the time, you know, we do almost everything through emulation. So, so much of our life is we learn through, uh, you know, emulating others. And so it's, a, so I think that's an important part of, um, of this process that you just naturally find yourself in the circles. And if you don't, if for some reason you, you're, you have, a, you're, you're involved in circles that really um, are, are, their goals are far below where you really want to go in life, then it's my recommendation that people say, okay, you might want to limit your time with those people. Yeah. You know, uh, show me the top five people you hang out with. You, you, know, you hear this all the time. I think it, I don't know if, who is in the site. I know um, several people have said there's some famous, entrepreneurs and, 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 and motivational speakers, but show me your five people that you hang out most with and I'll show you your, your, your success ceiling. You look at the most successful people that you hang out with that you, on a regular basis, that's as high as you can go. That's what they say. And I believe that. So if you want to be, if you want to raise your ceiling, then you got to, then you're, you will naturally find yourself in circles that are, that have people who have higher ceilings than you. Yeah. And when you find yourself in those circles with people whose who's ceiling for success is much lower than yours, you feel it. You feel it. When somebody says, oh, man, I can't wait. I might get this job at fucking Target tomorrow, and there's nothing wrong with working at Target. Okay, But if your goal is to be a billionaire and you're hanging out with people working at Target, you're probably going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to feel that shit. You'll be like, hey, man, <laughs> I know you got to go to work, but... I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, so I got to go do something else, bro. <laughs> um, but it, like I said, there's nothing wrong with doing any job. And, and success in my mind is actually a lot less economic than anything else. But I'm just using that as a common matrix. Sure, matrix. Yeah. Uh, most people use, um, my definition of success technically is, um, is being able to exercise my joy and my happiness in my life. So when I feel the joy of my life, when I, when I can, and the happiness in my life, this is how I, um, how I, how I, uh, Think of success if I when I can do this because I, I I want something success to me means something that's more permanent in nature and not so temporary. Feelings are temporary. Um, this life is temporary, um, but there's some things that are beyond that for me, um, and those are um, those are things like connection. Um, I really believe that we we're all truly connected, but we don't always feel that way. And so we feel a disconnection and it's because these are, this is how, this is the state that we live in. We, we separate ourselves from one another and from things we, and we do it through the best intentions sometimes. And so, and, and sometimes we do it because of it's the way that we, we've been enculturated in our life to live that we have to something, but really we're not really like, there's that movie alpha um, with the guy with the boy and his dog. And it's like, it's about this prehistoric, a uh, story about how we sort of domesticated dogs. It really talks about, it's really sort of speaking to that. It came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Great movie, by the way. But it's really talking about, but what you really see, especially if you're interested in anthropology or sociology, yeah. you really see how one, we relied on animals to help us survive. But two, when we're alone, we fucking suck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're alone out there in nature. There's so many other creatures that can fuck us up. Okay? Oh yeah, yeah. We are yeah. not that we just aren't that badass unless no. we, I mean, today we are, we got guns and we got all these other weapons, but 
just you put you just a buy. I don't care. The strongest dude on the planet. Put him right out there and, and put him up next to a bear or put him next to a tiger. Fuck, I'll put my money on the tiger or the bear any day of the week. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yep. So and and they don't got any special intellect. They don't have any special skills other than their natural born weapons, claws and teeth. But powerful, right? So we are not that powerful, but because of our intellect, because of these other things, we have become the dominant species. And it's it's really sad. So the movie really highlights, especially for someone like yourself who's got a history in some anthropology, and if you're interested in that kind of stuff, I think you might enjoy it. I liked it a lot. I liked yeah, it a you lot. know, um, honestly, that's one of the movies that was on my list of things to see and then like slid by and you forget about until, and then as soon as you mentioned, I was like, oh shit, I was supposed to, I've been meaning to watch that and I forgot about it. So I'm going to put that back on the queue you know dialogue <laughs> uh, a great movie to watch because uh, you know language was limited but they still have some language there in the movie I won't spoil the movie for you but great movie it yeah. really is a good movie and they, you know so but I do but I did like the way they they really tried to highlight in the movie they must have consulted with some anthropologists or something because they tried to be accurate to how we might have domesticated animal how this could have come about sure. and what kind of impact it would have our, on our living and you really see man you're like this motherfucker's fucked you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like watching movies like that where people like um, they have to they have to make it through like harsh conditions and they like make it and you see like cause like like that one movie what was that one with the fellow it was a true story about the fellow who got he was up in the desert somewhere and he was hiking and he got trapped had to cut off his arm part of his arm remember a couple years ago it was uh, the movie got an Oscar. Who was it? I think got an Oscar or got an award or nominated. Um, not, I don't know that one. Like, yeah, he had to cut it like from the elbow because he couldn't. He got wedged in this thing. He was rock climbing through this one area in Moab or somewhere, and um, he gets caught. And of course, his you know he falls down this crevice and gets caught, and he can't get free. He's stuck, <laughs> and it, it's his arm. Part of his arm is stuck in between, and he's in between these big rocks, so he can he can't get loose. So he's got no water, he's got no water, and he's like, but he's got a video camera. True story. It's like a true fucking story. It really happens. And so he, he films himself. He's only got so much battery life. So he's filming it as like a, as a way to document this thing, this because he doesn't even know if anyone's going to find him. And eventually he comes to the conclusion like, hey man, if I'm going to live, I'm going to have to cut part of my arm off. And all I got is this fucking pocket knife. So he cuts, it, he cuts his fucking arm off. <laughs> and he gets rescued. But, Oh man, I was like, whole I could I could only watch that kind of shit once. Like, ah, sorry man, I got I could watch this movie once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's that that's a thought that I don't want to I don't want to have in my life. I don't want to have to fucking cut my body parts off just to live. <laughs> no, that's that's the thing. Like, you know, I think unless you're in that situation, like right now, I can't imagine doing it. If you're that guy stuck in the rock and you've been there for four days and you really need food and water and you can't get out, then you're going to be more apt to be able to do it. Like mind over matter at that point. But yeah, that's, that's fucking bananas, dude. You know, <laughs> I actually heard, maybe you know this cause I know you're a movie buff. Um, I heard that there's a, that, um, they're coming out with another matrix movie matrix. So, uh, was it, um, reincarnation? I heard that that's happening. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't really, um, I haven't followed up on that, but you know, I, I, and it seems like you can tell that's coming because they're like starting to bring the matrix back on, like advertise it again on TV and stuff. So like, you can tell that there's going to be a sequel in the works. I didn't, I mean, they made so much money on those first three and they were great movies. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, of course I'll watch it. Yeah. I watched the first one. I wasn't, 
I like it. I like all those kind of movies. Yeah, um, they, can, they can make it real applicable to today. That's for sure. <laughs> I feel like every day, I feel like we're in the fucking matrix. <laughs> it's crazier oh, yeah, and crazier. And it depends on who you talk to. I got, I got a lot of friends who are conspiracy theorists and people who have some. And I don't put any idea down. No, because you just don't know. Sure, <laughs> I just don't know. Boy, so it's kind of funny. Anywhere from aliens to reptilian aliens who live beneath the, root, the surface of the, of, the, of, the, of, our, of our planet. Oh, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, to flat Earth. To anything. <laughs> I got some skepticism about it. I'm like, sure. okay, look, I can accept this about even. We got fucking, I mean, we got fucking people in space now, man. Like, I just saw this new uh, non-astronaut thing going, like, what was it? Uh, it was four people. You see oh, that yeah, yeah. The first uh, the first uh, consumer flight or whatever, like, or like non, uh, non-government non uh, yes. flight. Yeah. Commercial flight. Yeah, commercial okay. flight. Yeah. Like, all four people were non-astronauts. Uh, were, it's got, it was called Inspiration 4. Um, I was watching this. There's a Netflix they have. They documented on the SpaceX doc, on the SpaceX series. They've, they're going through all these people. Really quite cool. Like fucking rad. I'm like, I was talking to one of my friends and, the, and they were like, oh, would you do that? I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Oh, you absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would even volunteer for the first people to colonize Mars. Oh, yeah. hands down, man. I will. I want to be part of that community. Creating the next, the next. You, you think of what think of what could be done. Yeah. I believe in. The, I believe in being able to create utopias. Oh, wow. that would be my mission. Yeah, I want to create a better way. A new. This is like you know. Like you thought Earth was good. Well, we're going to get something better here. <laughs> like I want to be part of that. I would, and I would do that. I would totally do that. I would totally do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. Did you did you see the? Uh... What was it just called Mission to Mars or something about that with um, not Ben Affleck, the other guy, the, the other guy that the Goodwill Hunting guy. Um, I should know him. He's from Boston. I, I forget his name <laughs> right now. Um, you're talking uh, who? What was the movie called? I don't know what it was called. Like Mission to Mars, I think, or just Mars. It was it was the one with uh, Ben, uh, not Ben Affleck. Uh, what the hell is his name? The guy that played Goodwill Hunting. Um, they go out there and they're trying to set the first colony up and all the all the shit they're going through and whatnot. Uh, yeah, Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Martian. Oh, Martian. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. Yeah. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. Um, yeah. I like all those kinds of space movies, man. Fantasy movies, I like space movies, I like. Yeah, you know, and and okay, I, but that was another one where the overcoming harsh adv- uh, adversity and harsh environments and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, overcoming, uh, the, the natural elements to, to, to survive. Um, but you know, while we're talking about movies, I know that you have your B4 podcast where you're talking about, uh, I, I like it cause we were laughing at the earlier, like, you know, I, I have the M4 series, you got the B4, which is bourbon beards, barbells and bullshit um and i i was listening to a couple and you guys go from all over the place from talking about like fucking uh you know bodybuilding culture to fucking you know like you know to politics to movies to it's all over the place it's fun man because it you know keeps it interesting keep it moving what what caused you to want to start a podcast i know you got that what in the hyh podcast like uh you know what got you into podcasting and and talk a little bit more about your podcast well um, about probably about Oh, let's see, 10, about 15 years ago, I started pod- doing some podcasting. Um, and I, I had, the, my first one I had was called Three Questions with Ted, Ted the Dyke Coach. And I had that for several years. 
And I, but the problem with it was that I, I love doing it. So I love talk, I loved um, having guests. It was a guest driven podcast. So every week I had to have a guest. So I pretty much interviewed everybody in the industry that I could possibly interview in the, in the bodybuilding industry, in the fitness industry over those several years, all the Mr. Olympias, you name it. I've just, I've had them on because um, they're all my friends. Sure. So like that's, I, so the, so my idea for that podcast was I would have, I would generate three questions that were unique for each person um, that were meaningful questions. And so, um, uh, cause people know me as somebody who's a little bit, a bit of a deep thinker. And so I, I wanted some meaningful questions, just, just three. And I wanted to show because my idea was I knew all these guys and gals who were like Mr. Olympias and, and, and who were high, high up in the fitness world that people just saw, but didn't know personally. And so many of them were such cool people that I was like, I want to share my friends with everybody else and see it so that they can know them. Like I knew them so I can architect these questions to be able to highlight the personality of these people. And it worked really nicely for several years, but after about like, after several years, I just, there was nobody to interview that was, that was interesting. Sure, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean so I just, and I got really tired of just trying to find, and I got, and then of course the questions got kind of repetitive. And so I, I switched the, so I stopped that. And then I had another a podcast for several years called hand your high with Teddy Yoshi. So, and that was my, uh, and then I converted it to my hand your high. Cause I believed, and I still believe this, that we're all responsible for handling our own high in this life, that you're responsible for managing your emotions. I'm responsible for managing mine. Don't ask me to manage yours for you. And I won't ask you to manage mine. But because, and the reason why I think this way is because this is what most of us do throughout our life. You need to do this so that I can feel better about you. That's really what we're saying when we ask people to do things they don't want to do. Right. You, sure, your yeah. girlfriend, your wife, you say, Oh, why don't you hold my hand more? Why? If I want to, I will. And maybe it's a good thing to do that. But the reason why she's taking the request is so she can feel better about you, not about herself, but about you. And so, but it's not, but, but I believe in, in, in all the relationships of our life, we're not responsible to manage the emotions of other people. That's not a power that I have or anybody else has, but we're always asking that question. So I named my podcast that it's because I was focusing so much very, very heavily in that time on this inner work, this inner development, and which is really when I was really coming to many of the things that I do today, modalities and exercises and things I use in my practice today when it comes to transformations and when it comes to really being able to um, work on that inner self and the outer self, transform it from the inside out. And because that's the process, you, you always transform inside out, never outside in. Um, so, uh, uh, so that's why I called that. And then eventually came, uh, just this year, I converted that one to just recently to um, my B4 podcast, which is, you know, bourbon, beards, bar, barbells, and bullshit. And yeah. that was just because I like talking about stuff that I like. Sure. Yeah. So it's I like, get it. It's like, so so it's weights, weightlifting, bodybuilding, it's nutrition, it's exercise, but it's also movies and, and I like bourbon. There you go. And just anything random. I'll, a lot of times my, I have several different kinds of people like um, co-hosts that I have. Like I had my shaman on there. She's wonderful. Um, and uh, we most recently talked about healing, talked about inner work. And I've also had some of my other, uh, some other people on there who talked about racism and stuff like that. Cause I'm, I'm uh, this is kind of an issue that is important to me as well. Um, uh, so like, I just like to talk about the stuff I think is important and sure. just like, and have fun at the same time. I don't want to talk about shit. That's just, that I'm not having fun with. <laughs> I definitely have fun with what I'm having fun with. So I tend to talk about that stuff, but yeah, so, but that's why I did it. Cause I just enjoyed doing those things and I still do. 
So, um, and I'll probably have make one more evolution on my podcast. I, I think I'm still honing this down to, to something that, that I just, that will be more permanent in nature. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 A, a format that, a, that you find the right format that, that you want to really stick with. Yeah. And I've been, I've been a little inconsistent lately because I, because my, in the summers, my daughter comes and I spend more time with her. So I didn't do quite as much pod, uh, episodes, but I'm back on a, a good track again. So sure. I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about, this is going to sound really weird to some people maybe, but I'm actually going to start, I was thinking about doing another podcast where, um, that's, that's geared towards children. And I wanted to just, um, tell, um, tell stories, you know, read stories, um, that were meaningful huh. that had real substantive value. Cause I mean, I mean, I learned really wonderful, valuable moral lessons growing up, listening to really good stories. Like the little engine, one of my favorites, the little engine that could, um, the, 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 um, the rabbit and the, you know, the, the rabbit, the tortoise and the hare, right. These are stories that I got a lot of value out of. I always felt like I was a tortoise. But he's the one that wins the race. How does he win the race? He keeps fucking going. He doesn't fucking quit. <laughs> That's a fucking goddamn good lesson in my book. So, um, but you could, I think there's more important stories as well. So I thought, ah, maybe I'll do that. I'm going to start doing, I'm going to start to put together some of these cool stories. That's probably so pretty it, smart yeah. too, because I don't think the, the, like the children's podcast market, I don't have kids, so I, it's hard for me to, to, to know, but it, it doesn't feel like that's like a big saturated um, thing yet. And uh, well, what you're doing is an interesting I, and important thing. And it, it's taken the place of, of, of something that's, you know, kids don't get as much access to today. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I know that when my daughter was growing up, she always wants, you know, kids always want you to read the stories before bed and yeah. you run out of stories, man. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to, loved to have sat there with my daughter and listened to a story on somebody somebody read on a podcast. That would have been fucking great. Yeah, you know, like that would have been awesome, right? Or follow along or something, you know. But um, but I also had a I also love kids, and I want I want I would like to try in my best way to contribute to the next generation in a way that's meaningful. And the most meaningful way that I know is by helping them to be the most fullest versions of themselves that they want to be. And the only way to do that is if you know who you are. And the only way, and the only way we know who we are is by other, we initially find out by others telling us, our parents first. And the way we do it as parents is by loving our children. But some children don't get enough of it. They don't get clear messages of love, clear messages of acceptance, clear messages of worthiness in life. They get other messages to tell them they're not worthy. And that's, I, that breaks my heart, man. I, whenever I, when I see, I heard a child once tell me she was 12 years old. I was with my ex-girlfriend. I was living in Chicago. And we were picking up somebody from me, somebody somewhere, one of her friends, her daughter's friends. And they were all like about 12 or 13 years old. And she's like, Oh, you know, I'm just, you know, like I, we were talking about school and she says, Oh, I'm just like, you know, I'm stupid. So I, I didn't get a good grade. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, wait, 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 what did you just say? She's like, well, I'm just stupid like that. I'm like, why do you call yourself stupid? I said, why would you say that? <laughs> I'm like, and she says, well, my mom says to me all the time. I'm like, Oh my God, my heart just sank. I'm like, yeah. you're fucking up. I wanted to tell her, you're fucking kidding me. Your mom should be slapped in the face. Yeah. Like, why would you say this to your child? Like, even if she is stupid, <laughs> don't tell her that. <laughs> Help her. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> set, don't set the bar low, right? Set the bar up. So, so I thought, gosh, you know, sometimes I know that, like, my daughter, she's so cute. When she was younger, she would call me. She, like, I remember one time she called me. I was, on, I was at the grocery store. It was a Friday night. 
and it was like nine o'clock. So I, so I'm like, what do you, I'm like, Hey, sweetheart. And I'm in the store on FaceTime and she's like, Hey, I got my friend with me. Um, I said, do you think you could talk to her for a second? Yes. I said, what do you mean? And she says, well, you know, you always make me feel good whenever I feel sad. So she, would you talk to her and make her feel good too? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I said, what's going on? And she said, her, her mother was like not letting her see her father. They'll get divorced. And her mother was holding her back from seeing her dad. And, and I, was just, I just gave her some words of encouragement and told her that her dad really, I bet you your dad really does love you. You know, I bet you your dad really does want to see you. He just can't right now to give him a chance, you know, to do that. And cause it was her mother that was sort of, I didn't know all the scenarios, so there could be some very logical reasons why this didn't happen, but she wasn't feeling very good. And I respond to that and, um, and she felt better. But the point is, is that I think that it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to have it, to make a child feel better. Even if it's just telling them how worthy they are or how wonderful they are. Um, cause we all need that. We all need that. And those are the messages that we tend to repeat to ourselves over and over and over again. And they can either empower our lives or they can disempower our lives. So I'm very, very, very aware of those kinds of things. Um, language is incredibly important. Um, my twin, I have an identical twin brother, and he's a professor here at ASU, and he's actually a rock star in this field. He actually um, does this work. Uh, he, he is a professor in rhetoric and composition, specifically teaches, um, he's, he, he focuses on um, writing assessment, pedagogy, and how to assess good writing, and uh, as well as, um, uh, um, racism and, and ethnic identity. So he focused on all these things. So he, right now he's like blowing up the charts. He's got, all, he's got several book of the year awards because he talks about racist studies and all these things. But um, he and I both talk about the power of words. And, and I'm using his, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from him, but I agree with him that words are magical. That what we say to each other can make, can, can encourage someone or can break them. Yeah. And we have to be cognizant of that if we're compassionate. You know, I'm not saying you can't say shit because I don't believe in, re- in doing that. But I do believe that we can, we can be compassionate towards others. If I know that something that I say could hurt somebody's feelings, I'm not going to say it. Why would I do that? <laughs> Unless there's a bigger purpose beyond that person, right? If there's a bigger purpose that, that is more important, then of course. But I don't want to intentionally like hurt somebody's feelings or make somebody feel bad. But I'm also not there to manage their feelings. Yeah. So try my best to not create that, that, you know, that puncture wound of, <laughs> of truth. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to speak my heart. I'm still going to, you're still going to hear that from me. And I would tell those of weaker constitution, I would tell them you better learn how to sack up because life, I mean, I'm, I'm as nice as you get. And if you're getting hurt by what I say, yeah. Oh, I feel for you. Then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of callous people that ain't that aren't gonna pad it for you, man. You know, like, and it's like no you said, like it's, it, 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 you know, you you give someone the power to like you can't give them the power to fuck with you. You know what I mean? Like through words, like you, yeah, like well, we do it through our reactions. So you're you're one. Of, so we're either one of two kinds of people. We're either a reactor or we're or we're intentional. And I'm gonna tell you, most people in this life are reactors. They encounter something and they react to it. Let's say somebody says something, they get angry. They react out of anger. Somebody says something that they love and they react out of love. Somebody says something that makes them happy. They react out of joy. Now, um, that's, that's okay. You can do that, but basically that's a person that runs on programs. And so you're never going to get consistency. You're going to get consistency out of them in terms of them obeying their programs, but you're not going to get you, but what they say may not always match up to what they do. 
Um, Robert Greene talks about this in The Laws of Human Nature, fucking beautiful book. First third of the book, gold. Um, but, uh, and that was like, I think it came out two years ago. Um, but if you're a intentional, that means that you walk into a situation, somebody says something that makes you upset, you take a step back inside and you say, is this worthy of me getting upset? Is this gonna, what is really going on? Am I gonna allow this person to control how I feel? Is it worth it? Most of the time, it's not. <laughs> Most of the time, if somebody pisses you off, you're better off just like writing that shit off. Right? Like, because yeah. you're not, what, you punch me in the face? Okay, so now you punch me in the face. Still said it. Still out there. Now you're the one who feels bad, and you're also the guy who punched the guy in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're being the bigger dick now. They just said shit. You actually did something about it, so now you're the bigger dick. So, yeah. Or, or like you might catch a case, them. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Or, or like, worse. Yeah, exactly. Could be an MMA fighter who just takes your shit down and fucking kills you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, man. MMA shit was a great equalizer, man. You can't go on someone's size or stature because there's some fucking wily little little guys that can 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 uh, can do some damage, you know? Um, and, uh, you know. Or your state. My undergraduate degree at Oregon State, I used to hang out with one of my friends. His name was Babak. He was from Iran, I think. And he, he actually uh, wrestled in the Olympics for that country and also wrestled for us at Oregon State. And he was top four in the country, right? And um, I remember we would go to the bar. He's on the weekend. And he, <laughs> he didn't drink. He didn't drink or anything. I didn't either. But I had to watch the shit. So he would go there and he would hang out at the bar with his water. And, he would just, and sure enough, man, by the end of the night, Someone like taps him and like starts to try to start a fight with him. He's just a little guy. He's 130 pounds. No shit. He just doesn't look like shit. And he's like, okay, hey, let's take this outside. So he'll take him outside and he would and he would just take these motherfuckers down and just play with them for like 30 minutes. And I said, why do you do this, man? Because these dudes would get really frustrated, man. They're trying to whip his ass and they can't do shit. Okay, because he's just he's a he was an expert grappler, obviously, and he just taking them. Once people get off their feet, you know, most people suck off their feet. And so um, he said, I do this to practice my moves. <laughs> he would go out there to practice. He says, it's so much, it's so much easier to practice my moves here. And these guys are like, two, he's they're like 220, 230. He's like, they always think they're fucking better. They always think they're fucking better than me. Uh, he would get them on their back. He would get them on their back, pin them, and then just like pop them in the chest just enough to irritate them. Not enough to fucking do any real damage. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Just just, just to demasculate them a little bit. You want to keep going? They're like, oh, fuck you, man. They try to jump on. Next thing you know, they're back on the cement again. Yeah. But that's how you practice. I, I had um one of the questions from uh, my Patreon members for you, uh, Jake. Uh, he wanted to know, and this is I, I'm not I'm not trying to switch gears up, but like this is this is your area with like with diet, nutrition, and stuff. He wanted to just know if there was some general recommendations that you might have for vitamins or supplements that uh, are good for for the general population for daily maintenance or overall health or energy things like that, or you know, like what are the things that are missing uh, for people now that you know, are important to, to, to get through vitamins or supplements? Um, well, a couple things. Um, good question. I think everyone should just probably have a multivitamin that they take. Um, but I mean, that's just for general, general, general care, because we can't always assume our diets, uh, have all the vitamins and minerals and, and micronutrients that we need for, for optimal health. 
Uh, most people won't die if they don't take these things, but I'm t- what we're talking about here is trying to achieve optimal health. And that means our body's performing at the highest levels, um, recovering at the highest levels, you know, handling stress at the at better levels. And this is what, and when we do this, our bodies can get, can uh, shouldn't get cancers, shouldn't get some of these, other, some of these diseases, um, but most of the diseases that we die from today are progressive and they're usually linked to lifestyle issues. And so, um, so while vitamins will help, they're, they're something that you just kind of have to do for the for the long haul because they're not. It's not like exercise where you can see the results literally in weeks. Yeah. Whereas vitamins, just you have you, you have to have the you have to take some of them on faith because the things they're doing for us are going on inside the body and you don't always feel that. You can feel maybe some of it, but you don't feel not even close to a good percentage of it. So you just have to know like this is good for me. For instance, one of the things that Couple things that you should that right now people should always have on their diet: vitamin C. And you can't be doing this 500 milligram bullshit. Like you got to take several grams a day for it to be therapeutic in nature. So you have to really, you really want. I take 2,000 um, milligrams of vitamin C twice a day. I recommend three to four to, to doing that three times a day. Um, if you want, I've done more than that. Uh, historically, I've taken four, uh, I've taken six to seven thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day for most of my adult life. Um, but um, it, it, it helps. It's an anti-carcinogen. Um, it helps um, um, our bodies get rid of free radicals, which is free radicals are these damaging uh, things that, go, that that blast through our bodies because of toxins and other things, and and, and just the natural um, execution of life as we're moving through life and, and burning energy and doing all these things. We're releasing all these these these, uh, these free radicals in our bodies that can damage cells and cause cellular breakdown. Next thing you know, we have issues, and so. Uh, Things like vitamin E, vitamin C, all these things are antioxidants, selenium, all these things help with, with, with handling these free radicals. And we have a lot of them. We have a lot of them. So stress causes its own set. Um, so vitamin C is the first thing, 2,000 to 4,000 milligrams a day. I would probably recommend for somebody just starting out to take 1,000 milligrams twice a day and then move it up to 2,000 twice a day. Then also incorporate um, zinc uh, every day, every fucking day. A minimum 50 to 100 milligrams of zinc. That, and men should take probably more towards 100. I take 200 a day. Um, it's good for male health. Um, for men, I would tell them to take it at night before bed um, with magnesium um, and a little bit of boron because that'll help with male health. Um, these are things that are extremely good for us as men and we need them. And most people in the United States, I'm going to tell you, are chronically low in magnesium. And, the re- and so when you're low in magnesium, it, can affect, it affects just about most of your body processes, especially things like muscle contraction. Um, it'll give people, sometimes people get migraines, stuff like that. Um, but, um, and, and of course, high blood pressure. Believe it or not, if you take magnesium, it actually helps to lower your blood pressure as well uh, because it, it's a relaxant on the system. It helps muscles, smooth muscle and straight muscle relax more and helps your vessels relax more. That tensile strength in your vessels as we age gets more firmer and then we tend to have higher uh, blood pressure and that can damage your kidneys. And when your kidneys get damaged, you're screwed. It doesn't come back. So you have to just go on dialysis or get a transplant if you damage them enough. The good news is we only need about 17% of our kidneys to live. So we have a redundant system. So we have two. And so we're really safe, but take care of them. <laughs> okay. That's what I say. Um, the third thing I would probably always take is a probiotic. Um, and I, I would prefer, I prefer Lactobacillus acidophilus, a very particular strain. It's one of the main root strains of all of the different um, uh, microorganisms that are good for us. The, your, our biome is probably the most important 
um, system, one of the most important systems in our bodies. We have more neuro tissue, the nervous tissue, as well as a complete um, bionome that's, that is in our gut. And when this is not healthy, guess what? You can't create uh, 96, I think, percent, 90 something percent of our serotonin is created in our gut, not in our brain. And so that's the, that's, that enables us to feel good, right? Dopamine, all these other reactions happen because we have the serotonin gate system that allows us to feel satisfaction, allows us to feel pleasure, um, allows us to feel those things. And if your gut is unhealthy, you won't manufacture enough serotonin and you will feel this in your life. So when we can't eat properly, this is what people don't realize about bad diets. When you have poor gut health, you don't. You're, you are not able to feel the joy at the levels other people can when they're when, if they have a healthy gut. So and you, and it's really easy to figure it out because you can you like it's too, when you start comparing how you feel when you have, when the gut is healthy when it's not you really really see the difference. Most people that I work with they'll say, "Wow, I didn't know how good I could feel until I mean, how bad I was feeling until I felt really good." Because they just because feeling the way they feel is normal, yeah. so they never have anything to compare it. So they don't really know how bad they're really feeling. Like, no man, you're supposed to be able to, you're supposed to feel like a fucking, like a rock star in the morning. Like when you get up in the morning, you're supposed to eat, go do a workout and, and you're supposed to feel better. You're supposed to feel more energized. You're supposed to feel good. At least most of the time you are. Especially yeah. cross your legs, you can't take a shit. Um, <laughs> so with a, with a quick but, question um, on, on the uh, probiotics, is there certain yeah. ones that you recommend? Because I, I hear that there's like some of them are just, you know, like obviously all of these products, just like finding a trainer, like some of them are going to be better than others. Um, is there truth to the fact that like you need some with like special carriers so that it can actually get, it, you know, through the intestinal tract without just totally dissolving? Or is there like, now, is that is that no, garbage? Because, so now that yeah, that's not true. Um, okay. So probiotics, those, those bacteria, you don't you don't assume, you don't actually absorb that bacteria. It stays outside your body. It lines the it lines the intestines. So you don't actually absorb that. Okay. Um, so probiotics. So all those bacteria, you actually want that 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 stuff lives on the lining of your stomach inside your intestines. It lives there, and then the food that we eat feeds this bacteria, so it can re, so it can populate in our gut. And then when we encounter bad bacteria or pathogens, that stuff attacks it. So when when people, I've only I mean like so you like when you get food poisoning. It's because you, there's, a, there's some bacteria on the food, and it's overgrown in the body, and now you, that, and so now the body is going to try to reject it. So you're going to have diarrhea, you're going to throw up, it's going to just get it all out. And then, and, but it's the good bacteria that's actually fighting all the bad bacteria. Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's what makes you feel better. Because if it didn't do that, we would just, you, that bacteria would just grow in your gut, and then that bacteria would essentially overrun the gut, and it would eat, it would, it would consume more nutrients, um, it would be parasitic in nature, and it wouldn't be good for us. We'd probably die. Yeah. So, um, but I like the refrigerated kind. Because, it's, because these, because probiotics are live bacteria. They're alive. Yeah. So if you put them in the heat, they die. So room temperature will kill them eventually. <laughs> okay, they won't live there. They, they only have a shelf, so much of a shelf life. So when you put them in the refrigerator, though, all of a sudden they get the life gets longer. They, it prolongs the life. So you really want to buy. I always always prefer to buy the ones that are refrigerated. Uh, but but it's on my list. Um, let's see. And then um, for most people, I would say they need to use chromium picolinate. They just do because um, most people have a sugar problem. They don't. Um, uh, they don't manage the, their bodies don't manage the sugar very well and so a chromium picolinate we don't need it for life 
It's not essential for life. But when we get it, it's a trace element. And when we get it, we handle sugar better. We don't have sugar cravings as much. We our insulin levels are more are more healthy, and we don't store as much body fat, and we lose we lose body fat faster, and we hold on to muscle, and we gain muscle fat better. So it, all the way around, it helps us. It's just not like it's not like super powerful, but it does have it, that this effect. Sure. So I would say, two hundred micrograms of chromium a day is perfect. Um, and then um, let's see what else. I, I always have like pro whey protein in my diet because it's such a good, complete source of protein. So I always have uh, uh, that in my diet, although that's not really a micronutrient, it's more of a macronutrient. Um, but in terms of vitamins, I also keep, there's, there's a couple of herbs I keep that I always, that I always take um, for like um, liver support. Like I always take um, some of the liver support stuff. Um, you know, um, I just have always done this. Um, uh, liver and kidneys and lung tissue, all these things, try to keep as healthy as I possibly can. Um, but, but those are the basic vitamins. Does that make sense? Is that kind yeah. of making sense? The ones that I would say, basic. I'd say if you're a person who's training, I would say consider also looking at like whey protein and also perhaps um, something like uh, I do like creatine is a good is a good natural supplement for people to use who have who are weight training and who want to get the most out of their weight training. Um, absolutely, our bodies naturally create it, actually, but we don't manufacture tons of it. And so when you if you when you add a little bit to your your vitamin protocol, um, you it will have an uh, have an, uh, a good effect on your workouts and on your progress. So absolutely. It just may make people hold a little bit of fluid because your body has to displace a little bit of fluid with with, uh, with creatine. It sure. needs to. So be prepared for that. And yeah. some sources of creatine, like the creatinine version, doesn't associate as much water, but most of them do. And I think chromium, um, creatine monohydrate, which is the basic form of creatine, is still by by far the cheapest and easiest and the kingpin of all of creatine. Hmm. So um, does that make sense? Yeah. Now, for, for people that are working out, or like, or like athletes, like you know, or, or or people that are bodybuilding, what what do you usually like for like a like a like a re, for like recovery uh, supplements or uh, vitamins or like a post workout stuff? What what some of the stuff you usually recommend or do? Well, the best thing for recovery is keep your hormone levels um, optimal and keep your diet optimal. Yeah. So recovery is all about what it needs to recover. Your body has a recovery system that is paramount to nothing to, to none. So the only way all we do is influence it. So all the steroids, all that stuff, the, all the drugs people use, those things just enhance recovery. Um, they do a few other things too, but mostly they're really influencing the recovery piece. So they're just recovering faster and more efficiently. And, and it's partitioning nutrients in ways that allow your body to build tissue faster. So, um, but if you don't like, Aside from that, I would say, like I said, like taking the magnesium and boron and zinc at night, um, that helps with male health. Also helps been shown in those uh, to to increase testosterone levels. So, so when you can do those things, that will help. Having good sleeping patterns, standard sleeping patterns of a minimum of eight hours a night of good restful sleep is probably one of the most profound and powerful things for anti aging and for recovery in the, from the gym. But most people don't give it enough credit. They yeah. just think if I can wake do stuff, I'm okay. No, that doesn't mean that. That's like, if I could start my car, it's okay. No, you and I know there could be shit going wrong in there. I don't know unless somebody looks at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or worse, it breaks. Because, you know, before your car broke, it worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, same thing, happen, same thing happened to our bodies. We can't always see the things that are going wrong. So, yeah. Um, did I answer your question? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just just throwing things out there. I know that people asked or, or wanted to know about. Um, but but yeah, I mean it's extremely helpful. I I the sleep stuff, man, that keeps coming up. I keep hearing more and more about. You know, I know there's a lot more studies going on now about the importance of sleep, and that's something I'm like really freaking jealous of, man. Like I can't like even if I try, like even when I try, like my body just naturally wakes up at like six hours the most, like, and I just. And I'm up and I'm fine, but it's just like, I was like, man, I wish I could get, like, even when I have the opportunity to get extra hours, I, I just can't do it. Like, my, like, I just can't fall back asleep. It's bizarre. I don't know if this is. Oh, what do you mean? So you, um. Like, if I go to bed around 12 or 1 in the morning, right, like, you know, like, that's, a lot of times that's when I'm done working or doing whatever, like, and, and just decompressing, I go to bed you know, usually oh. between like 12 and one, I'm still up at seven, you know, even if I could sleep till eight or nine, you know, like I just can't sleep late. Like I can't sleep past six hours. Like my body oh. just naturally wakes up. Like I, I like wish I could get eight, you know what I mean? Cause I know it's important to do. <laughs> That's all I meant. Well, I would ask if you could, if you can get, can you go to bed earlier? I, I could try. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I have I mean, to like, figure out a way to quiet my my mind before that, you know. But you know, the, the, well, I, and I know that well, gets in, say, that gets more into the mindfulness stuff or the other end the other end of the stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, I would, I would say I would say that I would try inching, inching it, yeah, thirty minutes earlier, and then an hour, and then a couple weeks later, an hour. Once you've mastered it, yeah. then you move it, move it. Move it up another thirty minutes, just until you hit about seven and a half, eight hours. Yeah. Um, so that you can get really true because it's the restful sleep. There's like, like I think nine different levels of sleep that we that we cycle through throughout the night over and over again, right? Yeah. And these lower levels of sleep are this REM sleep that's super super important for people like you and me who work out because it's that's where all restorative sleep is, and it's only about two hours total in the night. It's not even the whole night. It's just most of our sleep at night isn't even that deep restful sleep. It's just light, these lighter forms of sleep. But we need them all. And so if, we, if, we're, if we're not getting some of those lower levels, because we don't go into those low levels of sleep and then come out and then wake up, we, we're all we're cycling up and down through them all. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so when we do this, um, then, um, then, we, then, we ha- then we have to, um, uh, then we don't, we don't recover very well if we don't. But when we do, when we're able to, these lower levels of sleep really, really drive all the deep restorative work that, that goes on in the body. It's resetting hormones, um, helping our, 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 our bodies um, rebalance themselves on, on these kinds of things. And a lot of people have problems because they don't do that. And then they, they gain weight or their body, their hormones are off. And it's because they're, they just aren't resetting their systems. They're eating, their eating windows are too long in the day. Their sleeping windows are too short. And their body is essentially walking around stressed without them really knowing it. And it's just because of the way they live. Yeah. It's okay. It's not going to, it won't kill you right away. <laughs> what do you what when you said their eating intervals are too long are you uh, are you a proponent of uh, like intermittent fasting absolutely we're designed to we're designed to eat like that we're designed to eat we're designed to have 12 to 14 hour times uh, a 12 to 14 hour uh, period of time where we where we eat and where we fast so we, we we're not designed to eat all the hours that we're up um, we're technically supposed to be foraging and hunting for our food and that takes most of the time yeah um, and then, the, the, and we're, we're designed to go to bed and to go to sleep when it gets dark, we run on a circadian rhythm. Um, this rhythm is based on the movement of the sun and the, and the, and the, and the moon, right? Like when it's daylight, we want to be up when it's dark, we, we want to go down. And so, um, 
when we're so when we don't follow this, sometimes it can be a little troublesome for our bodies. It's just more natural for our bodies to be this way. But you can, you, our bodies will adapt. So if you live another way, it doesn't mean you can't live that way. Just but you still need some good, substantial, restorative sleep, and you should probably still have some downtime, a significant downtime for the for the digestive system. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's common sense. I mean, some, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I know everyone's different, but if I eat and then go to bed, it doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? I like to go to bed fairly, uh, I don't know, like having been fairly digested from, from, like, I don't like to eat after like six if I can avoid it, you know? And, and, uh, uh, well, count the hours that you're, count the hours you're eating and count the hours you're not eating. That's yeah. more, don't go by the clock. Yeah. Well, that's because what I mean. So what, what do you think of like a feeding window, like six to eight hours? It's more than enough time, but I, I usually give my athletes 10 out, 10 to 12 hours. 10 to 12. Okay, cool. Um, and I, I give myself 12. Yeah. Just, just but, curious. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know yeah. it's, it's stuff that, you know, people are interested in. It, it's, it's good to kind of get out there. I mean, the vitamin stuff and all that just, you know, we, we're living in a weird, wacky day and age where, um, you know, common sense, uh, you know, things that your body needs, uh, aren't touted in public health messages and other things are. And it's, a, uh, it's, a, uh, it's important for, get, to get this stuff out. Yeah, you know? we, yeah. I think we live in a society that really wants quick, quick fixes. Yeah. Um, uh, but we, but that's not the way it works. It works. Um, it, you know, we, our bodies, I mean, we could, there are some quick fixes, yeah. um, but they're not, but when it, comes to our bodies yeah we really need our bodies really respond to our lifestyle what, what are we doing over and over you know what i mean and that's what's going to impact us the most if that makes sense and i think it's important for people to uh, understand that especially when we're talking about um covid and about being healthy and about what what's the best how do we what's the best area to focus on well the best area, it, it's allowing our bodies to actually have the proper responses right like we're supposed to encounter pathogens we're supposed to encounter things. Oh, dude, sorry, okay, but I'm you, saying you, you, that cut, you cut out for a second. When, sorry, you'd cut. I, 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 the last thing I heard you say was that we're supposed to encounter pathogens, and then it cut out for a second. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're supposed to encounter all these things in life. But I'm, I mean, I'm, what I'm not saying is to, to go get COVID or yeah. that, that's a, that's a good thing. No, but I'm saying is that we're supposed to encounter these things, and and because we are, because we encounter them, we become stronger because of it. And that's the natural state of affairs. So, it, um, but uh, our immune systems uh, overcome these things, and how we evolve and adapt and survive as a species. Um, the I, I have my own personal opinions about about vaccines and stuff like that. But um, but when it comes to this lifestyle stuff, the most important thing for us to really focus on is doing those things in our life that allow us to, to for our bodies to respond in the most. Uh, in the most healthy ways, allowing our bodies to do this. So eating healthy, doing, um, uh, being physical, um, you know, getting activity and exercise in, um, taking our vitamins, all these kinds of things. These are vitally important to making sure that we're, that we're, our bodies are functioning correctly. And I think we, I don't, I don't know if the dialogue has been, uh, we, that we've talked about that enough. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant. You know, yeah. Like I think we, yeah, we've talked a lot about vaccines and we talked a lot about wearing masks and these are all nice things to do as well. Um, but they're not really, they're not native to who we really, really are. 
you know, they're not, I mean, the best way to keep, the best way for, for me to keep my family uh, safe is for me to keep them healthy. Yeah. That's the best thing. And I, the best way I know how to do that is daily exercise, uh, good diet, and, and of course, um, working on things like mindfulness as well, because if you buy, you know, mind and body, mind, body, spirit, you got to do all three. So, um, this is my, this is my approach um, and it works. So I, I push it and I, and I also instruct it with my family. Hell yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. I, dude, I, I'm trying to be a little respectful of your time. We're pretty much at two hours here, man, on the phone. So that's, it's a, it's a, it's a good one, man. Um, is it, I, I and down the road, would love to have you on again, and or even if, like you said earlier, if you want to pop in on one of the the uh, the uh, the M four uh, roundtables, you know, anytime, man. But um, where can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you got going on? Because I I know uh, oh, you got a ton going on, man, and uh, and I'm sure people are going to be interested in finding out more. And I'll put all um, this in the show I, notes too, so you know. So if you oh you, yeah sure sure. Well, in, in, if you're a competitor, you'll see me at shows and stuff, of course. Uh, but um, uh, for everybody else, you see me on I'm on all the social media stuff. So you can I'll be on Twitter or on Instagram at at, at Tad the Dyke Coach. Um, I came uh, and or on Facebook Tad Enoy. My last name is Enoy, and so uh, I go by that too. But usually, most people just refer to me as Tad the Dyke Coach. And so I've been known by that moniker for like 20 years. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why that's what I use. That's what I use. Yeah, it's pretty tried and true. Um, like, yeah. So, if you type in Tad the Diet Coach on Google, I'm sure you'll come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I come up. If you need to search Tad on Instagram, I'm the first. I'm the first dude that pops up. <laughs> oh, there you go. Man. Well, that's right. Because you're like you're, yeah, you're you're OG in the in the uh, in the in the uh, in, in internet world. So yeah, you got it unlocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but anybody can reach out to me uh, or my website. Easy. Well, hell yeah, man. I want to uh, thank you for coming on. This has been awesome and, uh, and uh, extremely helpful for people, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm sure you'll, uh, I hope, uh, hopefully some people reach out and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, uh, get some, some, some needed help. You know what I mean? And, uh, I, I think this stuff, you know, just sometimes just, you know, like hearing this stuff on a podcast gets people to kind of like shake out of their regular routine and start thinking about things oh, a little yeah. more. And that's all we want to do, you know, get you thinking a little bit more and uh, doing something better yeah, for yourself. And, and I would tell people, especially for those people who like just want to be a little healthier, they want to just do one thing. Hello. Oh, you cut out again. So, so I, this is probably important. Oh, sorry, man. I don't mean to cut you off, but you, you cut out for a second. All I heard, the last thing I heard, and it's probably important thing you said for people looking to be a little healthier, if they want to do one thing and then it cut out right there. So if you could just repeat oh. what it was. <laughs> yeah. I was saying that if, if for people who just want to be healthier and want to do something to, to, to further them, themselves along, then, then choose one small thing that you can implement, that you know you can implement, like drinking more water or like cutting out soda or whatever it is that you think that's good, that would be healthy for you to do. One small thing that you know you can do, easily do, and repeat it every day for the for a couple of weeks until you get it down. Two usually takes about 20 days to form a habit, something like that, and then move on to the next thing. And then by the time, if you do that and just did, and just implemented one thing every month and 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 maintained it every month and kept it, and then did one more thing the next month, and then and you so by the end of the year you're doing twelve things that are different, but but from one year to the next you'll you'll be in rat two radically different places physically. 
Yeah. Two radically different places. Probably mentally too. Take- <laughs> Absolutely. You'll feel an encouragement from within. What you'll feel is your own sense of power. Because you just you did it. You through your own actions, through your own intention, you changed something and it made a difference. And you saw it and you felt it. And that's the most important thing. That you see it and you feel it. And that gives us this sense of power because we all have it. But some of us feel it and some of us don't. And the reason why we don't is because we're not highlighting when we when we are our control. We're not highlighting those things that we're actually affecting in our lives in positive ways. Yeah. So well, man, that was so, great. Uh, I'm going to, uh, and Tad, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm going to uh, shut this off, but I'm not going to hang up. So ju- just hold up one second. Okay.